Welcome to episode 33 of Tech of a Tea. I'm, as always, your host, Brody Robertson, and today we're both wearing caps. Um, yeah. Go watch the sound check if you want to find out why. Actually, don't... No, I didn't even have that in the sound check. You won't find out why. Just, we're wearing caps. I've got an excuse, basically. Yeah. I'm an egghead. <laughs> I just... Yeah, I have this on the floor. I should get a haircut at some point, but I'm lazy and I'm cheap. Anyway... Yeah, I just got a trimmer and that does me. It's fine. Yeah, um, I know some people like to do like razors on their head, but I wouldn't trust myself with that. That seems like a terrible no, idea. Yeah, it's not good. I did it once when I was younger and it was, well, you can imagine it wasn't too good. <laughs> You'd have to get like, I know um, DT did a video talking about how he's not actually bald. He just shaved his head and he was saying mm-hmm. if you don't have like at least a four or five blade razor, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. I mean, if you cut your hair with a razor, you're going to cut yourself. And then you look more stupid than what you did if you didn't cut it. So mm. it kind of defeats the point. Yeah, for sure. Maybe uh, maybe wax your head. That might be an idea. <laughs> I wouldn't do it at my length, but like at your length, it might work. Yeah, maybe. I, I just like it like this because um, in real life, you can still see this hair there. I'm not bold. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but I'm thinning enough to want to cut it all off rather than, you know, have it look a bit silly. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, enough about hair. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we can get back to that at some point. It's not like this is actually a tech podcast or anything. Um, how about you tell people who you are? I've got your bio up on uh, Librarynomics here. So how about you tell people what you actually do with yourself? Right, so everyone knows my name is Electron, but it's not. I've got other names. You've got yeah, you've got Steve. three names. Right, well, I've got Stee, which is if you're a, a bogan in Australia or a chav in England, the Stee because they can't they can't do the whole lot. But we've got Steve if you're just kind of like working class, mm-hmm. in class. Um, and then you've got Stephen, which is my full name with the PH. But that's not even my real name. That's my middle name. But since birth, <laughs> since birth, um, my whole family and friends have called me Stephen because they said I was more of a Stephen than my first name. My first name is Mark with a K. Mm-hmm. I don't like any of them, so Electron does me. That's cool. <laughs> well, I've got Electron on um, my overlay right now, so that'll work just fine then. Cool. Yeah, so... Um, what else do you want to know? Um, uh, what do you actually do with yourself? We we know about your name now, so what do you actually do? Well, um, I've kind of been a digital nomad for the last, you know, several years. Traveling around the world and New Zealand, lived in New Zealand for a year, then Australia. Um, went to Dubai and all this kind of stuff. Um, settled in Australia, I've been trying to get a visa here for six years now. That's how difficult it is. Um, so before that, I w- and I'm still kind of this all, um, anyway, mm-hmm. um, under being a digital nomad, but uh, in the UK, I had my own business, um, being a consultant uh, and working in major companies, uh, major PLCs, international ones as a lead developer um, and that kind of stuff while doing, um, you know, the kind of crazy stuff I do with my research work as well, which mm-hmm. is conspiracy stuff you hear me talk about <laughs> which I, I try and combine into what I'm doing at the moment because you know it's a it's an actual um 
Uh, well, I used to do it more than what I do now. Um, James does most of it now, and that's with the open your eyes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where we do like an alternative view on the news, which I wouldn't class as conspiracy uh, theory because it's all, you know, it's all research and evidence based. Um, but I was more involved in that in the earlier days, you know, helping with, with putting the website together, the design, getting the marketing done and all that kind of stuff, getting all the VIPs into it. Mm-hmm which we did um but now I've, james has taken over and he's doing a brilliant job on that so, so i ended up meeting you through the stuff that you were doing on library i didn't i had no idea about all the other stuff you were working on or had worked on you didn't the past, know at least working, you didn't know i was doing the oye i can't even say oye stuff you didn't know i know i, was I didn't that. know that you were involved with that either yeah yeah um not so much anymore though i, I don't do much on it at mm-hmm. all i turned it into dark mode recently so it was nicer than the light mode but james is just doing an absolute fantastic job on it and he's um been over to Ac- i can't say this one an Acapoco, you know with jeff burrick and hung out with jeff and mm-hmm. you know got it recognized over there and yeah he's been on the mark windows show and mark windows does stuff with pierce corbin which is the brother of the um uh, ex-shadow prime minister of the united kingdom mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that that's getting quite good at the moment. But I, I don't do much on it anymore at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the main thing I brought you on to talk about was really about um, about where library is going right now and sort of about library-nomics as well. Because I know you're, you're not doing the uh, the crazy difficult stuff on the platform like uh, <laughs> like Brendan is with all the... I Yeah, I want to talk to, uh, talk to him at some point about the algorithms behind all the... Um, the nonsense going on on this website, but you are still involved as the designer and a developer of the website. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes on at my end. Um, there's a lot of JavaScript that goes into making it do what it does, like the search, the tagging, that's um, all JavaScript driven mm-hmm. and combining that with complex CSS stuff using um, identifiers and uh, CSS that link into the data fields I'm passing in. So, well, basically what I've done is I've taken... I just get the raw JSON from uh, Brendan. Mm-hmm. And then I take that, I, I say to him, well, I need this data field in your JSON field, in your JSON document. Then I take that um, variable and with the JavaScript, I can then create uh, the table. So that yeah. table is an actual physical table. It's created through the JavaScript. How about so we get in, when- too deep into that? How about we actually explain to people who don't know what Librarynomics what it actually is? Because I've talked about it on the show plenty of times before, but there might be new people who haven't heard about it or new people to library in general who haven't heard about it. Yeah, so basically it's taking, it's using the library API, which is their kind of like um, method of speaking um, with the data points. It's taking the data off uh, library, putting it into a program that Brendan's created, which creates a JSON file, which contains all that, uh, JSON, then that um, data, which is like a database, is then displayed on the website for everyone to visualize. So it's not mm. just numbers as such in a big mess. It looks nice and it's in, sorted into an order. It's got meaning, it's got function. So Librarynomics is basically turning all that complicated data into something simple that people can understand. Yeah. Is and, that okay? Uh, <laughs> no, that, go as technical as you want. I'd I don't mind that. Uh, it's a, a different sort of uh, feel for the show than we normally have. Normally, it's just... I, I don't know what this show normally is, actually. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it goes off in ranting about 
the Atari VCS. Sometimes it's about tea. Sometimes it's about coffee. Um, but the Librarynomics website itself is basically, at least the, the homepage of it, it's basically a big list of the top channels on Library right now. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, so um, the top channels, as judged by the amount of um, followers they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can change the so sorting as well on that as well. Yeah, and we've had debates whether the amount of followers should be the main metric to mm-hmm. display it as. We're talking about building an equality score for it and then judging it by that. Because you could have someone that's maybe, um, which they do do this, have come up with a way to get followers um, by hacking into the, not hacking as in real hacking, but you know, using some sort of bot to create yep. followers and all this kind of stuff. So if you create a quality um, algorithm that will look at things like repost, well, now we've got likes and dislikes, um, the amount of views on content and the amount of um, library credits that have been you know, either tipped or supported, then you can work out whether that's a real result or not. Mm-hmm. And we could use that to give it a better result. But... One of the... I'm um... say... oh, sorry. We've got a, got a little lack there. I was yeah, going to say... I... Um, we, I was going to say, but what? how can you really say if someone's got more reposts that that's a better channel? Because some channels are really good, but um, you might not want to repost it because it might be a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for likes. You might not want to like something, but it's really popular. So, you know, it's it's difficult to work out quality score fairly. Well, back with one of the earlier things with the quality score, one of the problems it does have, this is sort of a problem with library and also one of its benefits there's nothing stopping you making a new wallet and just going and subscribing to a new channel. That's why it's so easy to bot up your followers. You can just uh, basically write a Python script, spawn up new wallets, subscribe to a new channel, and bam, it has 100,000 followers now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's the biggest problem that they're always talking about at the library team is that it's so easy for people to do this kind of stuff with mm-hmm. this kind of technology, and it's really difficult for them to build in you know, preventative measures to stop that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at yeah, least without making it more centralized like you could obviously do it but then it would come with the draw, those drawbacks yeah and there's a lot of people that only see in black and white they think it's either got to be centralized or uncentralized but there's mm-hmm. gray areas and the gray areas always work best so you could think of decentralization as the backup because all decentralization is for is to stop you getting censored so mm-hmm. if that's your backup but you have centralization to make it work properly so you have your centralization overlapping on your decentralization and you've got the best of both worlds. That's the best approach. But you get those, you know, um, hardcore, you know, anti-establishment people coming in. Oh, how dare you've got Google Tag Manager on your website. You're well, yeah, I've seen so many people complain about, um, I think it was the library website. They had Google Analytics running. It's like, yeah, okay, but that's <laughs> tracking basically the same stuff that would be tracked if they did their own analytics system. Yeah, it's the same that's one, I can't speak now, it's the same that's on their um, mobile phones, mm-hmm. their computers, their operating systems, it's all doing this anyway. You know, unless you're living in a cardboard box in the middle of the sea, you've got to put up with some tracking, and it's mm-hmm. not like it's taking DNA, it's taking just, you know, some very minor details, you know, that... Yeah, you can do some evil AI-based stuff with it, but um, that's happening anyway, whether you sign up for Google Analytics or not. Well, the, the problem with it also is it's all well and good if you don't want anyone to have that information, but it seems like some people sort of... Like, obviously, the super extreme people 
uh, don't fit into this category, but the sort of people who dip their foot in. Um, <laughs> they'll care when some people take the information, but not when others do it. Like every single website out there scrapes what web browser you're on. Every browser out there scrapes your IP address. This is basic stuff. They just keep track of when anyone logs into the website. And it seems like some people really have a problem when like Google or Amazon or Facebook do it. But then when they just go to some random website out there, they don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say yeah on that one because that's all correct. <laughs> um, if we go back to and the... I've got parrots flying past me and it's distracting me because I've opened this area of my window to get some light. Mm-hmm. But all the parrots keep flying past and I get really distracted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss all the, the parrots in Queensland. We still, oh, they're brilliant. We have some... Uh, like, we don't have as many down here. You still occasionally will see rainbow lorikeets, but... There's not a, nowhere near as many as I saw back when I was in Queensland. Yeah, I, that's one of the things that drew me to living up here. It's just the wildlife's really good. I love my wildlife. Mm-hmm. In the UK, we have great wildlife, but it's hidden because it's so scared of the humans up here. The wildlife likes the humans. I don't know why, but like I can be um, in my bedroom and a, a parrot will fly in and sit on my TV. I'm like, this is just unreal. And, like, um, if I go out um, onto the balcony, they'll jump on my shoulder and mm-hmm. they'll, like, nip on my ear. And it's like having a pet. You don't even need a pet. Yeah, some of them are a bit yeah. too friendly with people. Like, I saw this, um, I think it was this pigeon. It was just, like, flying in between people. Like, can you just go somewhere else? It wasn't trying to swoop people. It was just flying around them. Yeah. Pigeons, I don't like pigeons. You get those as friendly animals in the UK mm-hmm. because they were getting fed. So they get yeah. so desperate for food, they, they will land on your head as well. But there's no character to a pigeon. It just sits there and it doesn't do anything. With a parrot, it, it's actually like a human. Like it's got expressions. Mm-hmm. You can train them to shake your hand. I've got a video on my library channel of the parrot shaking my hand. Um, really intelligent birds with characters. And that's why I like those ones. That actually reminds me of a story that happened to me as a kid. Um, I was sitting just sitting in the back seat of my car, of my, my parents' car, I guess, because I was a kid. Um, I had a sandwich in my hand, and this pelican flies up, lands on the window, and just takes the sandwich and just flies off. <laughs> I like pelicans as well. There's something really majestic about them. Mm-hmm. So they can float around in the water like you know a big swan or something. Then they can start walking around like a you know like a kangaroo <laughs> and then they can fly into the sky and they're like you know pterodactyls mm. and you see them they do the circling like the um the bird of praise do you know it does the same stuff they circle around and they're huge and you think what on earth is that and then it comes a bit close and you see it's a pelican absolutely majestic animals really good but they're not they don't have obviously the intelligence of the um the parrots and mm-hmm. stuff, so you don't get that kind of interaction off of them but they're majestic they're cool absolutely yeah <laughs> like where I'm at right now, it's it's far enough away from like the city that you still do see a lot of wildlife. Um, not obviously not anywhere near as much as when I was whenever I go see my parents up in the Riverland because that's up like right along the Murray River. Um, mm. But it's I'm in like this nice I guess um, sort of nature bubble where if I go like five minutes in any direction. It's all like regular city, but this one spot I'm in is just this little nice habitat. Yeah, yeah. What where you are at the moment? Yeah. Or when, yeah. Yeah, where I'm at right so now. So you're not 
actually in the city. No, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, I'm in the city now, but I'm right on the beach, so mm-hmm. it's not too bad. I was going to show you um, a view out the window, but it's a bit messed up. Because we're on the beach, the windows have to be cleaned like every week, ah. but they don't. They come around once a year. So for most of the year, your windows are just, you know, they're like frosted glass. Such a stupid idea. You know, they should build in some sort of robot that cleans your window. I mean, it should be fairly easy to do. Yeah, that does seem like it would be pretty easy, hey? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I can't see how... Well, I guess... I don't know, because the glass couldn't really be that sensitive. Um, and creating a pressure sensor when you're like... When something's touching the glass, I, I can't imagine that's super difficult. I'm not a mechanical engineer, as you can probably tell, but I can't see that being the most difficult of tasks because all of the windows are probably going to be a uniform shape as well. So, yeah, surely. Well, yeah, good design seems to be really rare these days. People just want to build something that's profitable, which means cheap and mm-hmm. quick to do. So you don't really get any of that. Um, what would the word be? Innovation. Mm-hmm. anymore like, like during especially the british empire days there was a lot of you know look how good we are we've done this we've done that look, we can do all the best things in the world now it's all you know with globalization and capital capitalism capitalism um <laughs> i struggle with words by the way I'm that's terrible. fine I'm, I'm, I'm the same <laughs> yeah and so you got this now culture of just buy uh, building cheap and cheerful mm-hmm. you know maximize profit get in build quick, get out with your profit. And that's, especially in Australia, it's a real problem. Um, yeah. Um, they're actually falling to... down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the places I, um, back when I used to live in, uh, there was a fairly cheap area in South Australia called Davron Park. Um, they were basically tearing down all of the old housing trust houses and like rebuilding them because most of them were from the 60s and 70s. And being housing trust places anyway, they'd basically been trashed because... No one cares. Like, uh, for anyone who doesn't live in Australia, that's like the public housing we have. Um, mm. And so they're they replacing them with these new townhouses, the ones that are like just flat concrete built as cheaply as possible. They all look exactly the same. The only difference between them is sometimes like every other house, they'll change the color scheme, but they rotate yeah. between two color schemes. Like North Korea or something. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, especially after the war, um, post-war architecture is really poor because they wanted to house everyone, not mm-hmm. so much in Australia. Well, I don't know, it's weird because you've got some of that in Australia, even though it wasn't bombed. But in like the UK, you'll see all these new builds that went up after the war. And mm-hmm. then it's like, it makes North Korea look good. It's so horrible. And then you've got the psychological impact of that. You know, people adapt to their environments. And if you put people into this really horrible environment of these, you know, prefabs and you know, this industrial looking housing complex, people's psychology really gets a twist and they feel down about themselves and they start getting, this is proven in studies, they start getting into crime. And it's one of the reasons why the crime rate after the war in Britain started getting, you know, out of control. People just feel like, you know, prisoners or factory hens in these horrible buildings. Oh, yeah, I'm, I think it should be a policy that all buildings have to, you know, pass some sort of metric to look good and function mm-hmm. properly for the better a society because you get a more productive society out of it therefore you get more taxes when you've got a more functioning um society because it's more profitable you know people aren't ill or can't be bothered going to work because mm-hmm. their psychology is good i'm not going to get into all that theory but it's um 
really interesting subject, <laughs> but it's complex. I don't want to talk about it. Well, this is one of the reasons <laughs> I sort of want to get into a rural area because you still have that sort of that same character that's always existed there. Like if you go basically anywhere in rural Australia, it looks the same as it did 50, 60 years ago because the mm. same people who lived there 50 or 60 years ago are still living there. And yeah, like you are still getting some sort of modern development out there, especially in places like um, uh, Redmark and Berry in South Australia. Or actually, I don't know how, like, have you, like, there, try that again. <laughs> are like me with your in, yeah, <laughs> this is what, this way I, I constantly do re recordings when I'm making regular videos. Uh, in Queensland, are they um, like building up the rural areas there? It's been a long time since I've been there. Um, not so much, actually. Um, there's a few, um, what are they called, those outer settlements? They've got a special name, but I can't remember from my geography days. But there's a few going up, but not mm -hmm. much. Most of it kind of inner city skyscrapers going up at the moment. I've got a really nice one just gone up called the Jewel. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'll see if I can get my camera looking out there. Let's see if I can find a picture of it. Can you see it through that? Uh, yes. Is that the big geometry looking one? Yeah, the one in the centre there. It's called the Jewel, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's really um, great looking. It's um, it's got like all those neon yeah. lights that come on night time, and and it's fantastic. So there's lots of those kind of things going up. We've already got the um, Q1 here, which um, for a while was um, the biggest or the tallest residential structure in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> um, and we've got the Soul Building, which is really impressive. And mm -hmm. I think that had the most expensive penthouse in Australia. So the, the Gold Coast is basically the high-rise capital of, um, I don't know if it is the capital, but um, as in high-rise capital, but there's a lot of them. And yeah. it's known for the high-rises here. Um, but they're not doing so much um, town. Oh, I need to remember that word. Did you Do you remember it from geography when you have those... Um, towns that kind of when your city gets too big you have your towns that appear on the outer skirts it's got a special name it's going to be pretty um, annoying I, you'll I, kick the, yourself when you a word's coming to me but i can't i can't lock it down um they say if you can't think of the word you mean don't think about it because the more you think about the word you don't know the the more that you ruin your neural pathway to that mm -hmm. word so they say don't think about it so I'm not going to think about it. Usually the word comes to me in like 15 or 20 minutes. I've had words come through yeah. like three days later. I'm like, oh, that worked. <laughs> in the middle of your sleep or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, funny old thing, the brain. I think I've only I've really been... Oh, yeah, that is so a cool if you, mug. If you see my head disappear when I have it, mm -hmm. it was a giant mug. Needed it to fit my four shots in. Well, this one's just a... Um... Uh, can you see it? It's not a secret yeah. what university I go to. It's University of South Australia. So um, they hand these out to everyone who goes into the school of ITMS, uh, the Internet, what is it? Information Technology and Mathematical Sciences, which is no longer actually a school at this university. They've like merged it with another one or something. I don't know. I'm done yeah, in like four weeks. Sorry? What are you studying there? I'm doing my fourth year of a software engineering honours. Fourth year? Why four years? Uh, I don't know. I, I I was thinking about just doing the um regular bachelor's degree and just doing three years, but 
I I saw the like the project we do for the the fourth year is basically an industry project, and I thought that would actually look good as something that I could say I've done. Right. So it's an extension, not part of it. It's not actually a four year course. I will basically I have the honors year, so I have my my regular three years bachelor at uh, three years bachelor course, and then the honors yeah. year, and that's what I'm in right now. Right. I don't know anything about the Australian education system. So is that like a master's in England? Uh, no, this would be the year before you do a master's. Okay, right. And how is it? Are you enjoying it? Uh, I'm not enjoying the research components, um, but everything else is good. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've got I've two papers been... to write in the next four weeks or so, and I've started one of them. Yeah, that's, that sounds like me. I've never been a fan of education. I've done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have a good habit of not turning up to exams. <laughs> So yeah. I spend the whole of my time doing the course, doing well in it, mm-hmm. and then I don't do my exam. Here's okay. Here's how they stop you doing that in my school. If you don't pass the exam, it doesn't matter what the rest of your grade is. You get a zero. You just fail really? instantly. Yeah. Wow. So unless you had like a medical reason or something like that for missing it, you just fail instantly. Right. So for my multimedia um, degree, which is called a PDC, Professional Development Certificate, they didn't mm-hmm. actually do it as a degree. So I did this one. And it was really good, the way mm-hmm. they structured it. You could do it in components. So you could just do one component and mm-hmm. have a certificate for that. And just okay. keep adding on to it. So you can keep building it up. And it was designed for adults so that, you you know, sometimes you can't always, you know, dedicate that time of your life to education. So you can just keep adding your components on mm-hmm. and uh, build it up that way. It was fantastic. It was by far the best course I've ever done. That's, that's where I learned all, all my computer stuff. That sounds like a much better structure than the way that my degree is structured because there's a lot of courses, like, in my degree, there's a lot of courses, at least in the early years, where it's just, they sort of needed something to fill that space in. Um, Yeah. And a lot of the stuff they go over is sort of fairly outdated technology as well. Like, obviously, they can teach the the skills you need to actually understand the modern things you're going to be working with, but... For example, in my uh, web development course, we did an older version of jQuery, not even like the latest version. And jQuery is already something that's not really being used for new projects. It's mainly something for legacy projects at this point. Mm. Um, we did Angular 1, not not the, the good version of Angular, the original version. Don't know why. Uh, and I think we yeah. did... Um, <clears throat> think whatever the previous version of .NET was. So, two, Yeah, I that's think? what my brother was in .NET. Um, but I, I stay away from anything Microsoft. But he does it because it's brilliant for money. If you want to earn money, .NET's mm-hmm. great because all the is a user. So he, he did his master's. Well, it's called something else because he, for um, reasons unknown, he couldn't complete his master's. So he's got, in the UK, if you didn't do the final stage, it was a bit like compartmentalizing it like I did. Mm-hmm. You can do that with... Uh, masters in the uk okay um but anyway we did that in computer science and um and specialized in net and now he's gone on to do some you know uh, big positions in net kind of structures but it's so boring it's just like no way would i ever do that kind of work that's what i like about web development is creative mm-hmm. with doing like net stuff it's more kind of like you know doing big database kind of shopping sites and that kind of so yeah. boring 
<laughs> I mean, that's sort of the appeal I see with um, game development as well. But the problem is the games industry is hell. So if I wanted to go into game development, I would be doing that as, like, I'm the, the guy who controls this. Mm, that, the grind yeah. in the game development industry is just absolutely insane. Like, that's not something I could ever subject myself to. Yeah, I mean, the gaming industry is... People think, oh, it's fun, it's, it's gaming. But it's so difficult, all the gaming stuff. Um, it, like talking from a development, developing the game. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Like yeah, the coding? yeah, yeah. It's so difficult. Because I've done the all the 3D stuff in my course, and um, I'm pretty handy with 3D architecture and application cinema 4D and that kind of stuff. And that, that's my passion. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's really technical, especially CAD stuff, really mathematical-based. You have to know all your physics and this kind of stuff to build it. Then you've got to do your programming on top with mm-hmm. Cinema 4D. It's coffee. The programming language is called Coffee, which is kind of like a Python-based language. Yep. Okay. Wow. And it takes all the fun out of the creative side. So people go into um, for, uh, gaming design thinking it's going to be like playing games, but it's not. It's really stressful. That's something I've noticed with a... It's not a problem now but in the first year of my course there was a lot of people who dropped out in the first semester because a lot of their parents were like oh you like playing video games and you're doing nothing with your life go study Mm. how to make games and they realized this is terrible and i hate it yeah yeah i mean there is the fun side of computer games oh absolutely um isn't so much around now as what it was when it was when it was the flash game so i used to make flash stuff um macromedia flash not when it's now it's adobe it's absolutely horrendous but when it was macromedia it was really good um so i started off programming with action script action script 2 and it was such a nice language and um it was easy to put games together you know you could you'd have your like your designer timeline with your layers and your you know, your timelines on each layer and you could embed clips and graphics and use your code on each widget to animate and to interact. And it was so much fun. But then they switched to ActionScript 3 and it became more of a hardcore type of C type language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it took all the fun out of it. It was now becoming, you know, more structured and less um, creative. And that's when I got out of it. And that's when Adobe brought it and it just became really bad. That's I'm- when... Gaming and and coding was fun, in my mm. opinion. I've met I mean, so the, many people. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say all the people that do gaming programming are probably screaming at me now. <laughs> oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've met so many people whose first language was ActionScript, and they all had the exact same opinion on ActionScript three. Mm, yeah, it's horrible. Like every like I, all those drastic. people, like oh, I went to like Python or something like uh, afterwards. I've never met anyone who said I like ActionScript three. <laughs> it was just it was such a it was like a whole new language. There was no similarities at all. Mm-hmm. Um, ActionScript two was like what JavaScript should have been. It was just so nice. It was simplified. You know, you could do what you needed to do. Yeah, you couldn't do the really complex stuff, but most of the time you didn't need to do that anyway. You know, for that Flash type stuff. But obviously, um, they wanted to start really going into that gaming area and making more complex stuff so they had to expand the language but i just think they went too far with it and now we see where flash is it's uh (laughs) (laughs) you know back in the day when it was good i actually made flash websites i've still got them backed up on my computer totally flash websites they were great oh i hated it i hated those flash websites because 
like back when I was doing like I don't know there'd be some like research assignment I have to do as like in primary school and I would go to a, a flash website and every single flash website you couldn't copy and paste anything yeah that was the downside and that's what people didn't like about them like you'd right click for your context menu mm-hmm. you wouldn't get there was nothing there. So you had your restrictions. With HTML websites, there was much more you could do. Mm-hmm. And it was more restrictive with Flash. They did try and introduce that um, later on with ActionScript too, where you could start making your own context menus and stuff like that. But it was never you know, as nice as what it was with HTML. Mm-hmm. They could have done. They could have made it the HTML experience, but they decided to go this you know, hardcore gaming route, take it out of being you know, Flash as it was known and just basically turn it into gaming and i think that's actually what it is now i think it's called flash gaming or something like that or adobe gaming uh i'll see if i can find uh anything on that because I, I know that a lot of browsers basically dropped flash support like out of the box i don't even know if... yeah that, that was um for performance and sec- uh, security issues so the performance was just horrendous and there was all sorts of well they found a bug where the the performance and the memory buffering was so bad that an attacker could, you know, take advantage of that. And there's a known exploit. I think it's still in Flash today that hackers can just enter that memory buffer and hijack your computer. Here we go. I found it. So the Adobe Gaming SDK, uh, create mm. action script games. The Adobe Gaming SDK provides an essential collection of frameworks, code samples, and learning resources that work together to help developers create and deliver action script games across multiple devices. Is there anyone actually using this? That's the the real question. I don't think so. Who would use it? Well, I don't like Unity, but mm. at least Unity is relatively decent. Or if you don't want to use Unity, you could use something like Godot or anything else. I, I'm not going to say use Unreal if you're first learning how to program because you probably don't want to do C++. Yeah. But C Sharp is pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, sorry? The Unreal Engine is brilliant. The physics mm-hmm. engine. Really good. I was a big Unreal fan when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It's one of the computer games that I, you know, played t- for too, you know, too long. You know, when you're staying up all night and not sleeping, it was Unreal Tournament. Absolutely amazing. I never got around to playing Unreal Tournament. But I did used to play a lot of Quake Live, which was based on the Quake 3 engine. Yes. Yeah, Quake 3 mm-hmm. engine. Yeah, that was a direct competitor. Quake was good, but Unreal for me, it was just the best. It was way above its, way ahead of its time. Really good. Oh, and Super Mario. I can never forget Super Mario. <laughs> I've got it showing your age a little bit there. Got it here. Let me get it. Do 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 do. <laughs> That's um. Let me load it up. Uh, make sure there's no audio. I'm going to mute you. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, Nintendo is, uh, very, uh, banhammery about their games a lot of the time. Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah, it's YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's going to be up on, I, I can have, like, 200 subs over on, uh, YouTube, but, Yeah. It is growing, which yeah. is surprising. How many? What's that? On the podcast channel, there's 200. Main channel is close to 10k, but the one this okay. is going up on will be 200. But on library, close to 11k, I think, something like that. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, I once had a, a proper YouTube channel, which um, I used as an actual, rather than the one I've got at the moment, which I just dump rubbish on. Um, and I was using it to experiment with um, YouTube SEO, and you could do some really good stuff. I got, I think, 15,000 subs in only a couple of weeks it took me, hmm. just by using the um, SEO. It's different now, though. You wouldn't be able to do that now. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, quite complex at this point. There's... There's sort of these uh, general practices that people know about, but no one could that I know of at least can say this is exactly how you game the engine or game the, the algorithm. Yeah, it's, it's all AI-based now, and they've built in some really you know, bad stuff that makes it so that only these kind of mainstream people perform well on it. And that's the direction they seem to be going. They want to be like a, a Netflix-type you know, thing, but still, you know, um, web... 2.0 but netflix type content you know people that look like a proper station rather than bob down the road that's filming his cat well speaking of youtube um basically caring about tv content i didn't know that this exists until about i don't know two days ago youtube has a thing called youtube tv uh i don't know if yeah you... i saw that i sent um, you a link to it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what was it there we go I didn't pay too much attention to it. They keep bombarding me with adverts for YouTube Premium or something. Mm -hmm. Basically, YouTube TV is like uh, a TV subscription that you do through YouTube. It's $65 a month. Uh, you get like ABC and Fox and NPC and things like that. I don't even think you can get this in Australia. I think it's just like a US thing, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, they're trying to get all the areas. They've got mm. YouTube Music now, which is like Spotify, um, the TV one you've just mentioned, the um, the premium one that mm -hmm. they keep bombarding me with adverts for. It's trying to be the empire, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. just... But, you know, do people, you know, people see all these channels getting banned. These are big channels getting banned because they've got an opinion. So that's got to be bad PR that's going to prevent them, you know, getting people to join. People would rather go on Netflix. Oh, I've heard about YouTube. I'm not going to go on that. They're, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. I think from the general YouTube community, that's definitely true. But I don't think that most people know or even care about that. Like the people mm. who are actually like actively involved, like the people who actually comment on videos and like videos, those people, they are probably going to be bothered about it. But just... I don't know, your mother wants to watch some, some stuff on TV. She probably doesn't care that some, mm. I don't know, I don't know, some crypto channel was banned from YouTube or some, I don't know, some random yeah. political channel was banned from YouTube. So what you're saying is that their audience is my mum. <laughs> well, for YouTube TV it is. Yeah, I don't see any kids true. paying for yeah. YouTube TV. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to judge, isn't it? Because... That's a, a fair point, and that's maybe the direction they're going. But I think, you know, the so much, especially since COVID and everyone questioning things, um, people are now very skeptical about things. You know, just average people now are questioning, like, mm, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And talking about COVID, what's your view, views on COVID? Uh, my state's actually doing fairly well. I honestly, at this point, I'm I'm just like I. We have some level of restrictions. We haven't had... I think we had one case in the past month. Um, mm. Some places still have, like, the, 
the social distancing signs up. But most general people don't care. Even the people who are supposed to enforce it don't care. Mm. In my state, I've said it before, we, we don't have COVID in this state. We import COVID from other states. What state is it again you're in? Uh, South Australia. South Australia. And that's yes. right next to Victoria, isn't it? It is. It's directly so, next to it. That's the North Korea of Australia. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Victoria Are we is... To talk about this on YouTube? Sorry? Are we allowed to talk about this on YouTube? That's a good question. Probably not. Mm. <laughs> I've done it before. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll brush around it a little. We'll use some code words. <laughs> But yeah, um, okay, I'll just say a few things on Victoria. Now, obviously, I do deep research into this stuff, so Plato's Cave is in the distance for me. So for most people, they'll call me a conspiracy theorist. But it seems to be a testing ground to see what they can get away with. You know, if you look at what they're doing, it's identical to what they're doing in other parts of the world. They follow the same scripts. So there's a bit of evidence there that this isn't a local decision by Dan Andrews. This is a global script that they're following because it's so identical and it, it's like seeing what they can get away with and then keep you know tidying up and you know pushing it a bit further and i mean it's obvious that they're reclassifying influenza for most of the numbers to push the numbers up so they can bring in these you know regulations more so they can bring in more you know uh, draconian measures to give the government more control then we've got scott um scott morrison playing the good guy saying oh this is terrible what they're doing and like the queensland border oh it's terrible i'm the good guy but i think this is the deception he knows exactly what's going on i think he's part of this plan of making the 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 local state governors look like the bad people so that they can then say well look we need to have the the federal government take away the rights of the individual states that the governors have because they've abused it so it's almost like a centralization of building the narrative, building the consent to bring in centralized control over the states. That's my opinion on it. And that's why they're purposely making the Victoria and the Queensland border really bad, you know, public opinion. Are you so telling me build... the government's corrupt? No, nah, governments are never corrupt. <laughs> I, w I wouldn't, I don't know if you can call that corruption or good business. Because that's what they are. They're incorporated. Mm -hmm. So from a business sense, it makes sense, doesn't it? If you're a business, you want to control. Sure. And that's the problem. When Australia became incorporated, which I think was 1973, it started acting more like a business. I mean, it was acting like a business before that, but not to the extent that it is now. And then we've got to think about how this fits into globalization. Um the big plan and you'll see all the um british mps like gordon brown talking about globalization and the new world order they use that word it's not conspiracy theorist uh, theory they say we want everything to be the new world order they want to have a centralized controlling power which is a bit like what the un already is but have more control over individual countries so i think australia which apparently and i've not checked it out but there's a guy called uh, wayne glue spelt G-L-E-W, he's an absolute genius. He's like, he's got an IQ of 174 and he's taken the uh, Australian government to court and won. Um, I'm forgetting what I'm saying now because I'm just rambling because I've had too much coffee. But um, <laughs> he, he um, finally said, started to kick in, is it? 
he said that the um, when Australia was incorporated, it was registered on the I think it was the American security market. And the owners, apparently, according to Wayne Glue, are the World Bank, um, the UN and the Roman Catholic Church all own Australia. So I need to check this out. Apparently, you can go onto the um, securities exchange, check it out. I've not done that yet. I can send you the video later if you want to check that one out. Uh, if you want to, I might weird. check it out if I get some time. It sounds weird that your country has been bought by organizations <laughs> stuck on a stock market. But that's what they do. It's part of the globalization plan. Well, even if you don't, even if <clears> all <throat> of that is nonsense, let's just, let's just say all of that's nonsense for the sake of it. What we do know is happening is that China is buying up lots and lots of land in Australia. That is <clears throat> well-known public knowledge. Yeah. And would you say that's because they're trying to control Australia or do you think that's part of a globalist plan that Australia are involved in? I don't know. My research research points towards Australia cooperating with the Chinese for a globalist agenda. And this is why we had the Australian fires as bad as what they were, because the Chinese companies were buying up all the farmland and the water supplies, drying up the river basins, like the Murray, um, whatever it's called. Um, so the land became very dry. And then what happened is they, they uh, instead of doing the backburning, they brought in new policies to say that they're not going to do so much backburning and they banned collecting of tinder. So what you got was this ground which was full of tinder There'd been no backburning and really dry because the water had been diverted from the, the river basin into the farms that the Chinese had brought. And that's why when you get one of the uh, lots of arsonists which are setting fires um, or a natural fire, the whole place just boom like that. It was an accident waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Many people would have done on purpose because it also fits the uh, climate change uh, climate change agenda. So they're saying this happened because of climate change, but it didn't, provably didn't. So you've got all the Australian farmers at the moment complaining about, you know, trying to take it to court because this these fires happened because of government policy, not because of climate change. Well, it what we do know is that there were definitely people who were setting fires. That is, like, there are people who set fires. The act, The original cause of it, I don't know if that's fully been understood at this point. But we do know that once we do know that once the yeah, fires yeah. did start, there were people who were uh, definitely lighting fires, though. Yeah, but if you think about it, all it takes is one. You know, it's a bit like having a a mountain of dynamite. You just have to light one of them, and the whole lot go mm. off. Well, yeah, the, and <laughs> there was definitely some weird back. Sorry, it's, this lag's annoying. Um, yeah, it's a bit of lag. <laughs> but yeah, the the backburning policies have been real weird for a while. Um, the places that do backburning fine you notice that they don't tend to suddenly burst into flames because that's what backburning is supposed to do. It's supposed to mitigate that risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, It's controlled. So I was filming it the other day. They had the backburning up here and they had two helicopters flying around, you know, judging the area, making sure that it doesn't get out of control. Mm -hmm. So the Aboriginals have been doing it for thousands of years. Apparently, they've got even better strategies than what the Australian government used, and they're saying that they should be listening to them. Well, there are some, um, there are some like groups that actually do the traditional methods of backburning. I don't know whether, like, how accurate to those methods actually would be. I don't know anything about that specific culture, but 
um, there are definitely groups that are trying to, I guess, follow those same sort of methods because that's what has been working in this country for thousands of years. So mm. that's what they're going to continue doing. Yeah. Yeah, so if we put this into the conspiracy corner, the conspiracy theorist will say that there's a an alien spaceship flying over the forest, shooting laser beams at the forest to burn them down. Whereas someone that's more rational will look at the evidence, look at the backburning policy, look at the um, tinder collecting policy, look at the um, the way that the water's been privatised and um, put into the mines and the Chinese farming, and then see it from that logical point of view. <clears throat> Excuse me, this coffee's so strong now I can't even breathe properly. <laughs> you know when you have a really strong coffee and it brings like tightens your throat. That's mm. what I'm suffering from at the moment. Anyway, so. That's the logical view. Now, I'm not saying there aren't um, satellites with those energy weapons on it. Of course there are. That's that's provable weapons technology that the military have. But they don't need to use that to light these fires. You know? Mm-hmm. Do you know much about the EMF weapons? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, you should look into that. It's amazing what they can do. Well, they're using them domestically now. You've got the um, denial of, what's it called? denial of something uh, weapon so they'll take it to protest now it's like this radar dish mm-hmm. and if you're protesting they'll fire in an emf beam at you to move you away and it will like basically cook you <laughs> uh, i don't think i've seen that but i know i've seen something from uh, something similar um it was i don't know what it was called but basically it'd be this big radar disc and it would play this like really really um intolerable tone that you'd have right. to get away from like One Direction or something like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Justin Bieber. <laughs> well, maybe not that bad, but um, it would be like this very specific frequency that your ears just cannot tolerate. And you would have to leave the area. I yeah, I know yeah. they were using it during the um, early Portland protests. I don't remember what it was called though. Mm. Yeah, um, denial. I don't know if it's called denial of service. Um, it's denial of something. If you type it into Google, you should pop up. I'll do that now. I've not even got a browser open. Uh, let me open a browser. Uh, and I'll talk about some 5G stuff. Everyone loves 5G conspiracy theories. Do you know what? I hate conspiracy theories. I really hate them because when you have something factual, conspiracy theories take that away from the fact. So, and obviously, if you want to keep something hidden, you create conspiracy theories to keep it hidden because then everyone just associates what you're talking about with a conspiracy theory. Like if you talk about something that's truthful, they'll go, oh, you heard that off David Icke or something like that. And then everyone thinks you're a loony. Um, <clears throat> right. So let me denial of service. Do you know? You'll probably end up finding the uh, if you search for denial of service, you'll probably find like um the internet denial of service attacks. Yeah, I think that's where I'm getting confused with that. Um, there's going to be a million results here. You're, yeah, you're not. Good luck finding it. <laughs> uh, and it's because I'm thinking about it that I'm not remembering it because usually it just rolls off my tongue. Mm-hmm. Denial. Oh, sod it. I can't be bothered. I'll just, I'll just gloss over it while I'm talking to you. I'll multitask. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, so 5G, everyone loves 5G. Now, this is one of those things that if you talk about, people get really angry because everyone wants a 5G phone. They love EMFs. EMFs are so you know useful, but they're also highly dangerous. And they go, oh, but it's non-ionizing radiation. And that's a straw man argument. That's the diversion technique because it's not the DNA damage that's going to cause you the problem with a 5G because it's non-ionizing. It's the way that it, uh, disrupts your um your cells and how your cells communicate and you can get cell damage from that not dna damage but cell damage and it's quite easy to visualize some of this stuff you've got to think we are electrical beings we're mostly water and we send impulse electrical impulses to communicate you know to move our muscles they don't just move on their own you've got to send electrical impulse so when you're sending electrical impulse through the air this is going to disturb your own you know you're an electrical circuit it's a bit like a what's it called a, a champ I think they're called in the military they send these they're like bombs with uh, high energy mm-hmm. microwave um, blasts in them and they can knock out a whole uh, city even off all their electrical devices um, uh, you mean EMP yeah well it is an electromagnetic pulse oh, is there like specific like, technology that, that you're talking yeah, about here okay. champ or something oh, okay, I yeah. forget all the names um, so but that we're also electrical circuits like a computer is so they knock us out as well so and you can see um some well i'll give you an example of a, of mm-hmm. the big conspiracy theory that's going around at the moment that um 5g on the 60 gigahertz frequency can kill you can um, make you fall down in the street and die and people go oh it's a conspiracy theory but it's not and you can visualize it using some basic you'll try not to laugh i can see i am <laughs> yes this is quite amusing to me <laughs> So here's a way to visualize it from a from a kind of like a layman's point of view. Mm-hmm. What is your what is your blood made of? Uh, iron, among other things. Yeah, so you got iron in your blood. What is an EMF? What does EMF stand for? Uh, electromagnetic frequency. Is that it? Frequency. Yeah. Okay. You've got magnetism, and they mm-hmm. can be quite powerful. In, in these frequencies and iron what happens when you have magnets and iron what happens well you, the iron would be attracted to the magnets yeah but also you can you know if you get a magnet you rub it, rub it on metal mm-hmm. it can magnetize it sure. and it can you know you can make it spin in a positive or negative direction it can be positively charged or negatively charged same thing happens to the hemoglobin or the um, the iron in your blood so then it can no longer bond to the um, molecules it needs to in order to absorb that oxygen because the hemoglobin carries the oxygen because you've um, on the 60 gigahertz frequency because you've basically altered the spin of the molecule or the uh, electron in the atom it can no longer bond your hemoglobin can no longer bond the oxygen to the places it needs to go to work so you die then of or you get hypoxia which is starvation of oxygen Mm -hmm. So that's how you can visualize it from a common sense point of view without having to be a conspiracy theorist. Now, there's a place in Australia where they actually test this. I think they call it Death Valley. And everything in the location of Death Valley has died. Death Valley is ringing a bell. I can't remember where that is. I'm really bad at remembering names, but I got a terrible memory. No, that is Death Valley in California. Are you sure you're not thinking of that one? No, it's, it's an Australian one. It's okay, actually, maybe there's also a place in Australia called Death Valley. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's oh, um map of death valley in south australia is that one yeah yeah so it's a test facility where they've been um, testing commercial um emf frequencies you know with the transmitters they have and everything in the vicinity has died and so it's mm-hmm. like this black line of where it is <clears throat> um yeah so it's really worrying it's not conspiracy theorists i mean obviously you get the conspiracy theorists that say really wild stuff and throw everyone off the track but the stuff that you can think of just from you know high school biology lessons and you can say oh yeah maybe that's not a good idea rona is caused by 5g oh i'm gonna send you something on that let me just get this up <laughs> so that, that's the one that everyone laughs at don't they yes but you know do you know who is who was one of the biggest pushers of this idea mm, who's who's one of the biggest pushers of this idea You'll never guess who it is. I'm going I'm to send it to you first before you actually. I'm, I'm going to say. Actually... I'm going to say Bill Gates. That's the answer everyone <laughs> seems to give right now for anything bad in the world. It's just Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Yep. Bill Gates. Well, there's there are a lot of people history. really obsessed with Bill Gates. <laughs> yep. Well, Bill Gates is part of a network, and that network is very profit driven mm-hmm. um, for vaccines. And there's a thing called pathology of commerce. It's um, it's quite an evil thing that exists within PLCs specifically. And if you do a psychometric test on a PLC, it always comes back as psychopathic because that's mm-hmm. the nature of a PLC. It's there to satisfy its shareholder and it doesn't care about anything else. It's very psychopathic. So you're a vaccine company and you're a PLC, a psychopathic PLC. You're going to be making decisions that suit your shareholder, not what is wrong or what's right they'll do what they do can do to get away with it with the whole um the whole pharmaceutical industry is kind of it's a very weird industry because you've got all of this money tied up in oh all of these financial interests tied up in tr- basically whether someone lives or dies mm. yeah i mean if you think about it from a logical point of view a pharmaceutical industry makes money if you're ill mm-hmm. it doesn't make money out of curing you so it's counterproductive for them to want to cure you. They want to keep you a customer. And if you're a, a PLC and uh, your psychometric test is saying you're psychopathic, you don't care whether people live or die. You care about whether people whether they make money off you. Mm-hmm. So think about that. And we've got history to back us up on how evil that is. I'm multitasking at the moment, so I'm going to lose my mind for a second. I'm trying to get this... Um, coronavirus uh, thing up for my computer so i'm on a backup computer and it's so slow <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> do, 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 do. i should really put this on my desktop rather than getting out of a message i sent someone oh this coffee's so strong my muscles are shaking now you know you know when you have so much cough mm. coffee your muscles are shaking that's what i'm like at the moment do, 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 do. where is it where is it I hate, I'm, it's on a Facebook message. I hate Facebook. It's just so... Well, if you can't find it, I've got something else fun that we can talk about. How dumb the uh, the Queensland-New South Wales border is. Oh, it's really dumb. So you're I, saying... Because I live on the border of it. I, and my sister lives on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've not seen her for a, nearly a year now. Well, I'll, I'll send you something. For, we, can, we might come back to that one, um, but I'll send you something for now. So that's... Sure. Ah, uh, that's on the wrong screen. What is that showing? Why is that showing that? 
What does that even? I don't even have that window open. <laughs> um, library not where is uh, that one? There we go. Okay. One second. One second while I turn my air conditioning off. It's getting cold. All good. Okay. So I'll send you this link. So, uh. <laughs> the reason I turned my camera away is because I've doubled in size this year, so I don't want to be on camera. It's all good. So I sent you the coordinates uh, to a point along Tomlin Mountain Road. Okay, let me just open that one. So people are seeing it on screen right now. Um, this is a section of the road where the road, we don't even have to turn or anything. You just go straight and you cross back and forth across the uh, New South Wales and Queensland border as you are driving down the road. Yeah, we've got those up around here as well. And they say that if you cross it by mistake, you've got to self-isolate for 14 days. You've, yeah, in, in this point, you cross it for about, what, a minute, I reckon. Yeah, it's it's 20... Oh, that is the one, yeah. That's it's the one 20 here, metres. Yeah. 20 metres of the border. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> um, I'm just waiting for my computer to load this now, put it into satellite mode. This is oh. very close to where I am at the moment. It's literally mm -hmm. a couple of... Well, yeah, I, I, saw, I, like, I saw you're close to the border and then just scrolled down a bit and um, saw if I could find something dumb. And I, I didn't realise it was this bad. Like, I know this place is like border town where border town is on the border of two states like that's bad enough but this road is just it's just dumb i was driving it uh, up it the other day with my girlfriend mm -hmm. and uh, there was all these like neon signs everywhere saying new south wales border and we're like well where is it we don't know so we carried on driving and then we saw on the other side of the road saying queensland border so we must have crossed it but there was no, there was no sort of thing. They just had these signs, mm -hmm. and the signs were about a kilometre apart from each other. But with no, there was no guards there. Was nothing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, turn your phone off, turn your phone off. We were being tracked. <laughs> Let's see if we can view this in um, satellite. I, I, yeah, it's. So I'm showing it on the screen right now. Basically, as you drive down this road, there's just trees all around you. There's no indication you've crossed the border. Nothing like that. It's just. You've crossed the border. Now you're back in Queensland again. Mm, it's absolutely stupid. And in my opinion, the whole thing is mm -hmm. designed to annoy people on purpose, <clears throat> to push the, the vaccine. This is all about selling vaccines. I mean, we could go much deeper than that. And I think this has got an even deeper agenda. None, no crazy stuff. Actually, less crazy than the vaccine one. But the vaccine one's the oh, now my computer's crashing. It obviously can't deal with me video, <laughs> video conferencing. They're trying or to shut you down. Theorists, yeah, <laughs> my conspiracy theories even. Uh, we'll wait on that one. Facebook always crashes Chrome for me. <clears throat> I'm on a backup computer at the moment. It's really, it's about eight years old because mm -hmm. my workstation broke down. I've not replaced it yet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so. Oh, now I've forgotten what I was saying. What was I saying? Um... <laughs> oh, yeah, about the other agenda. So the vaccine um, agenda, well, that's an obvious one. It's profit-driven. And if you look at, like, in the UK, um, what's his name? Valance, the health secretary, who's been pushing the COVID-19 pan pandemic, pandemic, whatever you call it, um, he's got shares in the vaccine companies. Of course he's going to push it. So what they want to do is they want to make life uncomfortable for you, but they'll say, ah, oh, but if you have your vaccine, you can go back to normal. 
And that's where criminality comes into it. And that's why they're being taken to court to the um, uh, well, I think it's the world courts are going to be taking it mm-hmm. to some of the biggest um, lawyers in the world because it's criminal what they're doing. But basically, coronavirus or COVID-19 is either no more harmful than influenza or less harmful. So what they're doing is not proportionate. They've mm-hmm. broken every human right going. They've broken the Australian and the British Constitution multiple times <clears throat> um, for what seems to be political and corporate agendas, you know, the vaccine and bringing in more measures to try and control people. It's well, if you, look at, um, if you look at Victoria, for example, the amount that they've shut down that state is... I'm pretty sure it's been shut down longer than even places like China were. Yeah, yeah. China's up and running normally now. That fits into a... Oh, actually, I won't go into that one. It's too rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a thing. Like, if you look at um, Plato's Cave, unless you understand those points I'm making, it sounds crazy. And, you know, fair enough. Unless you've been down that hole, that rabbit hole... It's not going to make much sense, and it will sound crazy. Everything sounds crazy until you know about it. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I try and do with my research. I want to actually give real – I don't want to say, oh, I think this or I think that. I want to say the evidence says this. This is the research paper on it. This is you know, what the American government or the British government actually said about it. So I'm, I always try to be factual, but I say I don't want to be one of those crazy conspiracy theorists who's saying that there's green lizards running the world, you know, because that takes away from what is actually happening. You know, who knows? Maybe there are green lizards running the world. I have no idea, and I've got no evidence to support that. So as far as I'm concerned, there's no point even going down that road. It just sounds stupid. If anyone's a lizard, David, I... Zuckerberg is a lizard. Look, have you seen that man drink water? <laughs> well, um, and he looks like Commander Data from Star Trek. <laughs> Wait, no, my, fa- my favourite one was the newest weird picture of him. Did you see the picture where he put sunscreen on? No, no. Which I'm gonna find that? it because uh, it is, it is amusing. Um, give me one second. I don't know why my computer's not working for Facebook. It just keeps crashing. I'm Zuck- really annoyed now because Zuckerberg sunscreen. This man does not know how to apply sunscreen. It's <laughs> here we go. Yep, that that'll work. Um. Actually, that's not even going to work because that link's not even good enough. Okay, we'll try that again because start page doesn't do links properly. Here we go. Here's a better one. <laughs> Is that not photoshopped? No, no. He's he just covered his face completely in sunscreen and didn't like yeah. like rub it in or anything. <laughs> Is he on one of those electric surfboards? I, I think, think that's is. what it is. I love those things. They're so expensive, though. They cost more than a jet ski. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think I would <laughs> fall off after, like, two minutes. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe after, Australia, like, ten seconds. And in Australia, you can't fall off because you get eaten by a shark. That's fair, yeah. Or you'll get, like, yeah, yeah. murdered by a box jellyfish. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went swimming with the box jellyfishes up in... Um, Kerns, they're quite nice. <laughs> you yep. can't even see them. They're so small and they're transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's part oh, of the reason why they're so dangerous. If anyone yeah, definitely. doesn't know what a box jellyfish is, 
Because everyone talks about all the animals that like can kill you on land in this country, but the ocean's just as bad. Why are you doing that? Let me just um, quickly sort out this um, Chrome problem I'm having. Obviously, the uh, chat we're having at the moment has taken up all my memory or something. It's just not working. Yeah. Like I'm going to restart it. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so this thing, it's, yeah, it's, it's a jellyfish, but um, it's a very dangerous jellyfish. And yeah, just, just don't go in the water. Don't go on land. Don't go in the water. Uh, sky is probably dangerous. Yeah, you get like swooped by a uh, magpie or something. Just, I see, I see why people. What, what's that town where people live underground? Where they live underground in yeah, Australia? Yeah, in I think it's in the Northern Territory. Oh right, I've not heard of it. It's a mining why town. Why do they live underground? Because it's really hot, and they will die if Ooh. they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Or at least in the past, before like air conditioning and stuff. But obviously they kept doing it because it's just sort of the thing that's happened. Yeah. Um, One second. Underground town. I should know what this is called. Um. Wombles. Cooper Pedy. They live underground. Hmm. Oh yeah. The <laughs> yeah. The the town is Cooper Pedy. If anyone. Oh, sorry. Wimbledon Common, where the Wombles live. <laughs> but uh, the town, for anyone who cares, is just called Cooper PD. Uh, it's a cool town. Haven't been there, but it looks pretty cool. And it's pretty so what safe. what is it? They've built tunnels. Sorry? They built actual tunnels. Yeah, basically they've like tunneled out places where they can put rooms and stuff. And I think now it's mainly just being used for restaurants and stuff. I don't know if it's still being used as like an underground town because people are obviously now living above ground because we have air conditioning. Um, so I think it's more of a tourist attraction at this point, but I'm not 100% sure. Right. Right, yeah. I've got it now. The, the browser working. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you this. Right. First of all, have you heard of the NIH? The NIH. <clears throat> It's, it's ringing the, a national, bell. the National Library of Medicines, the National Center for Biological Information. It's basically the U.S. government's research facility. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to send you a screenshot I took from their web page. And then after reading that, you might want to understand why people keep thinking that 5G and coronavirus, that coronaviruses are linked. Let's see. So in the search, we show that 5G millimeter waves could be absorbed by dermatologic cells acting like antennas, transferred to other cells, and play the main role in producing the rona. Uh, in biological cells, DNA is built from charged electrons and atoms as inductive-like structure. The structure could be divided into linear, toroid, toroid? I don't know how to say that. I'm not a doctor. Uh, and round <laughs> inductors. Inductors interact with external electromagnetic waves, move and produce some extra waves within the cells. The shapes of these waves are similar to the shapes of hexagonal and pentagonal bases of the DNA sources. These waves provide some holes in liquids within the nucleus. To fill these holes, some extra hexagonal and pentagonal bases are produced. These bases could join to each other and form virus-like structures such as the rona. To produce these viruses within a cell, it is necessary for the wavelength of the external waves be shorter than the size of this of the cell. And this is published on pub, pubmed.gov. Yep. 
So now, when you see that, you can start seeing why maybe there's some truth in this stuff. Let's see if we can find it. They've removed it now. Mm -hmm. They even removed the way back machine. So when they removed it, I said, it was there. Look, here it is on the way back machine. Then they went to the way back machine and removed it from there too. I found some other stuff on here as well that's really concerning. Mm -hmm. Now, don't forget, this is the most prestigious website, or shall I say organization. This is who uh, Tony Fauci used to work for. He headed it. This isn't some, you know, weird conspiracy theory site. This is a, this is the U.S. government's official research institute. <clears throat> um, I'll share with you the other stuff I found in a second. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the um, what makes up human cells, how human cells work and interact, this makes sense. But what they do is that they they put fake conspiracy theories out there. They put loonies out there to say these wild things, which are kind of like along these lines. So then when you do talk about it, even though there are factual things behind this, everyone's going to dismiss you. They're going to say, oh, you're crazy. You're this, you're that. Such is life. You know, like um, when, who was it who discovered that the earth was round and then they tried to kill him? The government wanted to kill him for saying the earth was round and it's not flat. Uh, oh. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I can't think of the name. It's just the dogma of things, isn't it? People don't like to be upset with the way of thinking. So mm -hmm. rather silence it rather than accept it. Um, let me find you this other one. So well, before I find it, so this is called SARS-CoV-2 mm -hmm. coronavirus. Now, coronavirus is what the majority of the flu-like illnesses you get every year are usually coronaviruses. They're responsible for your colds and stuff. <clears throat> so SARS-CoV-2 is just what we, it's just very similar to what we get anyway, but they're saying it's novel. So novel means new. It's a new discovery. SARS-CoV-2 is novel. Now, there's no actual evidence to back that up, by the way, which is what part of this court case is going on about the, whether they're taking all this to court because it's a scam, they're saying. Um, so if it's novel, then why? Let me try and find it because my browser has been so slow. <clears throat> so if it's new, there should have been no cough two before this. They wouldn't have known about it. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I'm pausing while my browser loads. Oh, this is, I need to get a replacement so quickly. Do, 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 do. Uh, Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's so slow. Da, da, da. Talk about something else while I'm finding it. Um, let's see. Okay, so the Australian time zones are an absolute mess. Um, like actually a mess. So, <sighs> right now, this is going to sound weird to anyone who lives somewhere that's sensible. Uh, but in South Australia. We have um, half hour. T we have a half hour time zone. Same with Northern Territory, but okay. So my time zone is, or at least before daylight savings time, is plus uh, UTC plus nine thirty. Same as the Northern yeah. Territory, but the Northern Territory they don't observe daylight savings time. So right now, even though for half the year we're on the exact same time zone, now because of daylight savings, it's now UTC plus 10.30, 
which lines us a bit more up with places like Queensland and Victoria and all that. But now we're also <laughs> two and a half hours out from Western Australia. So if you drive across like a five meter line, your clocks change two and a half hours, which makes no sense. There is, I don't think there was any thought put into these time zones at all. Yeah, when we had a guest stay over um, a couple of years ago and we're driving through the city and we changed like an, to an hour different time zone, they were like, what's going on? This is just so, well, they couldn't understand it. I can't understand it. Oh, yeah, yours is even worse, yeah. Yeah, like I can drive through my own city mm-hmm. and the time zone changes. Well, Gold Coast Airport, you land in one time zone and then you go through the, um, the uh, what you call it? Oh, I've forgotten what it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you call it? Where you, where you, your terminal. Yeah. You walk through your terminal, and then you're in another time zone. So you land in one time zone and exit through another. So people are always getting their pickup times wrong because they've oh. set it on the wrong clock. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. So they say it's to keep the cows happy. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. What about keeping people happy? <clears throat> Did that I... site load me? That I... I sent. I. Didn't realize you'd sent it. Um, ah. Ah. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me coughing a lot at the moment. The coffee's destroyed me, and I'll still drink it. No, it's all good. Uh, here. <clears throat> yeah, okay, there we go. We've got it. It's not loading for me. It says it can't be reached. They must have banned me from it or something. <laughs> Try again. Now, um, have a look on that. I can't see it, but I, I can see it in my memory. Mm-hmm. Click on it, and can you see where it says Sarkov 2? Mm-hmm. Okay, so look at the date of that study. Yeah, it's 2008. So if it's novel, why did they know about it in 2008? I would assume that it's a different uh, strain of the, uh, the Cov 2. I'm not, I don't think that's how it works, because, like, H1N1 was SARS-CoV-1. Mm-hmm. So this is a novel one, so they've decided to call it SARS-CoV-2, because it's new and novel. I do not have the expertise to read through this paper to explain... I've, I've sent it to um, people, including my father, who's a doctor as well, and no mm-hmm. one can get back with an answer. Now, um, the other thing on that document, can you see SARS-CoV-3? I can see that, yes. Is that Pandemic 2 that Bill Gates was talking about? He said this one we're calling Pandemic 1. And he was talking about Australia not having many deaths. He said, but I think it will be different when we see Pandemic or Pandemic 2. So I'm wondering whether SARS-CoV-3 is Pandemic 3. Now, that is a conspiracy theory. I'll admit that. I'm just putting it out there. What is SARS-CoV-3? I'd like someone to tell me what SARS-CoV-3 is and how they knew about SARS-CoV-2 in 2008. Because, like you, yeah, I don't have that medical expertise to answer that question. And no one has got back to me with an answer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As I said, I'm not a doctor. I, I definitely can't be the one to give you that answer. Um, don't you agree? That looks really odd. Well, the way I would look, like, with having no knowledge of it whatsoever, I would assume that what we're seeing now is a different strain of SARS-CoV-2. I couldn't tell you if that's how they, or if they always name it in a numeric order like that or if it's actually different i don't know that's not my field yeah. of expertise at all i'll go along with that one because i don't know and that seems like the most logical explanation so i'll go along with that one but 
we don't know. Let's hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's hope that's all that is. <clears throat> but yeah, the um, the 5G one from the American government there saying that 5G creates coronavirus. That's got to be one to take note of. They're actually saying it in black and white. Well, that once again, without having the ability to read that paper, because obviously, as you said, it was pulled down, I couldn't tell you anything about it. <clears throat> they also did the same for the false positive on the PCR test. Mm-hmm. So early on, um, they had the false positive for the PCR 85%, up to 85%. Mm-hmm. So then everyone was saying, this is stupid. Why take a PCR test if it's 85%? So they hit that one as well. They did, got rid of it. Said, oh, no, it's no longer there. I'm getting rid of that one. So every time that you can prove using their own literature that something's wrong, they hide it. That's always a cause for concern, isn't it? I mean, that is corruption. Mm -hmm. If they're saying, no, it's wrong, well, then add that to the paper. Don't just hide it. (laughs) Anyway, enough conspiracy theorists. Let's get into library stuff. Yeah, I will not clip any of that. I'll just let someone, they'll just start watching it. And that happens for an hour. Um... Oh, I can't even breathe at the moment from this coffee. I'm, so, I'm going to roll over a minute. <clears throat> Let's see. What, what do, actually, most of my topics on here are about library anyway. I think where we left off with library was about the um, channel quality score. So we talked about using followers as a score. And um, so what, the, what were the other metrics that were being considered to actually you know, filter out channels. Because we have seen, obviously, in the past where there have been these channels with one view and 20,000 subscribers. And those, it seems to have gotten better now, but there's still, obviously, those channels that do exist. Yeah. So if you go on to the uh, info panel or the info link in the uh, top menu. Uh, Yes, there we go. I've just got it on, like, half my screen right now, so it's in, like, the hamburger menu. Yeah, then you go to criteria. Uh-huh. And then it's got it there. Should really put that in a more obvious place. It's a bit hidden away, but that basically sums up how it was calculated. So to qualify... I'm just going to put it on mute. I'm just going to put it on mute and quickly go to the kitchen because I'm struggling to breathe because this coffee was really rocket fuel and I'm struggling to even talk at the moment. It's all good. I'll, <clears> I'll go and have a read through this. Okay, so just give me two seconds. All how do I mute? I can't see mute. Good. Yeah, you're good. So to qualify for the Librarynomics top table, a channel must meet at least one of the following three sets of criteria. At a total of at least 20,000 LVC stake towards the channel and or its content, at least one non-repost, a views per follower ratio of one or more, so, uh, and an LBC per ratio, an LBC per follower ratio of at least 0.2, so... If each follower has given at least 0.2 LBC, uh, wait, what? And an LBC per ratio, wait, what? A view, oh, so views per follower. So every uh, follower has, if you were to divide your views by your follower count, you would get at least 0.2. Yeah, there we go. Uh, An LBC per follower ratio of at least one. So every... Our follower has given at least one LBC. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a bit better. Seriously, that coffee's too strong. I shouldn't have had that much. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, have you ever had Pro Plus? No. It's a caffeine. And, like, they're so strong. If you take it, you can't even walk properly. It's so strong. And, like, you start wobbling everywhere. It's a bit like that at the moment. <clears throat> I, yeah, I try to avoid, for the most part, drinking coffee and things like that. Like, this is why I drink tea. Because yeah. I used to drink a lot of coffee. Like, I'll have six or seven cups a day. And the thing I noticed from that is that I was pretty much just hyped up all of the time. And I could never really sit down and relax properly. Yeah, that's how I'm at the moment. I'm usually quite good with coffee, but that was way too strong. <laughs> <clears throat> right, so what were we talking about? The criteria. Yes. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so it's not the fairest criteria, mm-hmm. but sometimes you've got to be a bit mean in order to get the best results. So there are some genuine people that are getting missed out. Um, Brendan said he's going to reduce that down more. Mm-hmm. And he might have done, actually. I wonder if it's on 10,000 LBC now rather than 20. <clears throat> because that's quite high. A lot of people, especially people who want to use their LBC for, you know, to buy things, uh, they're not going to be registered on in the top 2,000 and they might have a good channel. Mm-hmm. Um so we are looking at making it. <clears throat> excuse me. We are making it looking, uh, making it look a bit. We are going to yep. make it more fair. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, what else can we discuss well, about library? Well, what were you? Well, I. Should... I was going to say what. Sorry. <laughs> so you were saying also that um, maybe followers wasn't the uh, best way to actually rank the channels. So what were the other? methods that were being thought of to do that well we discussed making a, a quality score so we'd look oh, at so it was like the quality the score yes okay yeah right okay i the thought there was something else to that yeah blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. um i mean you could also rank it by views as well rather than followers because mm-hmm. that's a fair metric so if you've got loads of views that might be a better metrics than how many followers you've got because you might be able to get followers but no one wants to watch your content well another thing you have access to now is the like and dislike ratio which i'm not sure how that's going to be used on the library platform itself but now you have that information as well you can actually make use of that as part of your quality score as well yeah i was going to put um, a new metric on that one and put another column in for the ratio of Mm -hmm. likes to dislikes but we've got so many columns now, it's hard to fit on mobile devices and yeah, so it's... many people are on mobile. Well, I'm running this right now on half of my screen and I can't see the final column. Yeah, it's really difficult. The um, Some of the things I'm thinking about doing are concatenating the um, URLs. Is that mm. the word? Concatenating? Uh, concatenating? <laughs> yeah, so after, say, 10 characters, it's dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. But only on certain screen sizes, because at the moment, it's still kind of trying to squeeze it all in, and it doesn't always work. Um, in fact, let me put that down as a to-do, because I think that will be really helpful on the smaller screens. Well, one thing I've, I'm noticing that it, it was it was cool early on, but I've noticed that there is starting to be a few too many tags for channels. So you've got, like... Obviously, the new channels, not safe for work. But then I've noticed that, like, you have the Dollar, Vigil- uh, Dollar Vigilante team on there as well and VIP and friends and family. And it seems like we're sort of getting to the point where there's a bit too many of them. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to put too... This is um, 
to make it more interesting, to make people want to look at it. Because it's sure. got a tag okay. there and it's more interesting. But at the same time, we didn't want too many tags. Now, the reason I put the dollar, dollar vigilante team on there is he's been pivotal. Can't even say that word. Pivotal. Pivotal? <laughs> pivotal on promoting library. Mm-hmm. You know, he's um, the owner, the founder of the biggest crypto or blockchain conference in the world, Anarchapoco. Um He's got a really popular YouTube channel. He knows VIPs, you know, he knows Ron Paul, he knows famous people, Belinda Carlisle. Um, so he's got a he's got a really good reach. So I thought, you know, he's done a lot for library. We should do a lot for him as well, you know, giving him highlights. Mm-hmm. And with the old news part as well, I didn't want to put different categories on there, you know, like news or crypto, because it will get too busy. Oh, but I sure, thought yeah. the main the main purpose really for library is for an alternative opinion that isn't accepted in say youtube Mm -hmm. and that's the alternative news people they're the ones getting kicked off so i thought it's good to highlight those as well because that's the use case for library so that's why i've done those two Mm -hmm. so i can't imagine we're going to add any more than uh, those tags because we'll get too so it's kind of like the balance i thought was best and I obviously have the library ink tag as well, just so you can show like the official library channels. Yeah. Now people have complained about library being at the top. They say it's a bad look. Um, Scammers Revolt says that. Um, it's a bit like YouTube being at the top of their list, but it's like, should we filter that out? Because obviously they're going to be at the top. It's mm-hmm. automated. You know, should we filter out library? Well, I'm working on a system now where if you click a tag, it will get rid of all other channels other than that have that tag. Okay. And I might also build into it that by default, it doesn't show library and that you've got to click the library um, key tag in the key at the bottom in mm-hmm. order to show them. So I'm thinking about something like that because, yeah, it's not organic follows on library. So they don't, they shouldn't really be there because they're automated. Well, yeah, they have uh, <laughs> 314,000 subscribers right now. It's just like, do you though? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah but if you look at um who is it there's someone that's just popped out of nowhere and just completely destroyed uh, bitcoin triple x is that what, the one you're talking about uh well let me rank it by followers oh you but okay the followers in the follower change i think it is they're now beating library for follower change oh uh, uh tracker sorry I'm so wrong, doesn't it? Salty cracker. Oh, salty cracker. <laughs> oh, that one. Gonna... Yeah, so it's got like almost double what library's getting and library's automated. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, I don't know. Is this one of the... I don't know. Yeah, maybe... so you know is this a legit channel or something? I don't know. It's, it is. A, it's... Um... Uh, trying to think back to what was said about it i've not researched it too much but i think they had a promo with library or something but i'm trying to work out how they got so many subs because for every sub they get um or follower library should get a follower as well so how come they've got a higher follow rate than library so maybe library isn't automated anymore or maybe it never was i don't know um yeah i don't know i don't know how that actually works obviously they Mm. do have the most subscribers on the platform but I don't know if it's automated or not. It could be. 
So I was under the impression that when you sign up, you automatically subscribe. It automatically subscribes you to the library channel. Yeah, that would make sense. If that's true, then Salty Cracker's um, follow account can't be higher than library. Mm -hmm. Well, right so, now it's still lower. There's only 17,000 followers, but the yeah, rate he's growing. I'm talking about the follower change over seven days. Ah, okay, yeah. And that's how you would judge how many have been added. Right, right. Uh, so that should be an impossible number mm -hmm. if it's automated the library. Mm. If you get my point. Yeah, no, I get exactly what you're saying, yeah. Unless people anyway, on the platform are somehow finding this channel. Yeah. It's... Sorry, just um, just to skip back. When you're sorting this, by the way, you're going to have some funny results coming through because we've actually got the top 2,000 on this now, but it's hidden. But when you sort, they oh. come into action. Okay. Oh, yeah, I and see you're that. You're the first. <laughs> I was working on this um, before this podcast, which is why I was late getting to it because I was all in a mess in my head. I was like, oh... The sorting's not working because I wanted it to sort the top 500. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I've got to write a lengthy script that um, loads the JSON data in dynamically. At the moment, it's loading it all in, and mm -hmm. then I'm um, I'm hiding the rest of it with some CSS. So when you're sorting, it's still looking at the rest of the JSON, mm -hmm. which is there. It's hidden with the CSS, so that's why there's a sorting problem. So I've got to go back and I've got to reprogram it in the JavaScript to say only load in the first 500 then i'll do a load more button then it will load in the rest of it there is i will put a load more button on before i do that so that yeah. it loads in the um what's hidden by the css but in order to do it properly so it sorts correctly i'll need to do a more complex javascript function to run that one there's yeah. a lot of things i need to do to improve it but um i think that's going to be priority yeah, i'm looking at the uh the rank change right now and you scroll down the list and it goes 164, 165, 1104. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy at the moment. Um, so just think of it at the moment that that's a top 2000 channel, mm -hmm. but the other are hidden at the moment. So mm -hmm. that's why it's been a bit funny. And the reason it's hidden is because there's so much data there on many devices, they can't cope. Yeah. Um, because it's too much information, it just becomes slow and unresponsive. That's the downside of it. If you're on a modern computer, no problem. But even my device can't cope with it very well. Yeah, it, it seems to be fine on this desktop. But on my laptop, I did notice that it used to at least be a little bit slow from time to time. Yeah, it's a lot of data there. And Chrome is such a hog with uh, resources. So mm -hmm. it's never well. Now, in uh, newer versions of Chrome, they've got this really good new um, feature they've brought in that you can add. And I need to experiment with this. But it's a render, um, it's a render, I think it's, I can't remember if it was a CSS um, property or it was mm -hmm. an HTML property. It was one of the two. But you can basically specify areas on your website to render. So you can say, well, this page, this part of the page isn't going to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, someone scrolls down to it. So don't render it. Um, not, It's not a lazy load or anything like that. It's just mm -hmm. don't render it. Okay. For, any item you don't want, it won't render it as in, you know, with the memory and all that kind of stuff. I'm presuming it works different from like a hidden then. Yeah, because it, it's going to come, it's going to show as soon as you scroll or get close to scrolling it. I'm going to, oh. I've not tested that. 
I think it's going to think that you're just about to scroll into view and show it as quickly mm. as possible. Let me have a look. Chrome. Oh, what did I say it was called? Um, it was only introduced um, a couple of weeks ago. Chrome. Oh, I can't remember anything at the moment. Render. No, I'm not going to be able to find it. Talking. My multitasking skills aren't good enough. <clears throat> but if you go into release notes, it's in there. And they, mm-hmm. on one of their own release videos, they uh, talk about it. It's really good that I need to put that in. And that might solve a lot of the problems. Yeah, hopefully it does, <clears throat> because I, I do want to see this uh, website actually getting more use. Um, because it is a really awesome tool. Yeah, and there's so much more we can do with it. The mm-hmm. reason we don't do more than what we do do and or I don't anyway Brendan gets really stressed with me it's because you know I've got my own business I've got my own stuff to do so I can't always spend so much time on this Mm -hmm. and I don't count myself as a programmer I count myself as a developer so when I'm doing the programming it's you know I'm not um what would you say I'm not someone that can just go ah and stick it together in you know five minutes what takes a programmer five minutes is going to take me an hour because I'm not fluent in programming. I know how to program. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what to do, but it's slow for me. I'm like, oh, why isn't that working? Then I realize I've got to use a slightly different function. I've used a constant instead of a let or something like that. Mm. <clears throat> um, so there's that slowness as well. And my uh, my uh, tagline is, the least coding I have to do, the better. <laughs> I'm not one of those Vim master race people. You know, you know, I will use WordPress. If it saves me time, I will use it. I'm not going to code it from the ground up mm-hmm. freehand because I want to show off that I can do it because it doesn't make any business sense. The least time you have to spend on something, um, the more that it's already done for you, the better. Because why waste your time reinventing the wheel? So that's how what I try. That's why I built it on WordPress rather than doing it. You know, I mean, the libraryomics table, for instance, is my own code yep. and it's inside wordpress i'm not using wordpress widget for it or anything like that but i'm using it in wordpress because there's so many things you can do with wordpress that people have done as plugins and stuff like that and then you can utilize that to bring what you've done into you know to give it more features mm-hmm. um yeah so there was something else i was going to say and i've forgotten it now yeah that's it mm-hmm. so there's a lot more we want to do but we we don't always get around to doing it because yeah. of time constraints. There is another sub-project that you've probably seen, which is uh, running on another website called Library Digital. Have you seen that one? I've looked at it like a few months back. I didn't, like when you, like it was first being talked about, um, mm. but I, I haven't looked at it since then because there wasn't really much going on at that time. Uh, what's the, uh, the link to the website? library dot digital okay because i tried to a search search for an in start page couldn't find it there we go yeah <clears throat> uh library digital the ultimate library ecosystem Und- okay there's still not much going on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah so librarynomics there was i was i built everything into that librarynomics and everything i've now linked librarynomics back to the main site because mm-hmm. um had time to continue with library digital at the moment um so what that was doing it was to incorporate library social library hub library um nomics all into one platform rather than having a separate 
reasons for that is when you when it's under one area it's better for marketing mm-hmm. you don't have all these things it's cheaper to run it means i didn't have to run three or four different services especially when it's a cms on my server taking up all these resources i could have them all there i only needed one domain name so i could mm-hmm. cut back on so many costs because this is um not profit we don't we don't even get um donations or anything we don't get any foundation funding nothing it's all done out of my own pocket same for at brendan's side he's running his you know servers and everything out of his own pocket <clears throat> is there any reason so, why you why you guys don't actually set up just a, a patreon or something to fund it because i'm sure there are people who yeah. would be interested in donating to it yeah we've got um a, a donate section on oh, the do? bio okay. it's hidden away we're not oh. we're not putting any big um pay for us things on there we might do in the future i'm not really someone that likes asking for money mm-hmm. you know I, I do this set for a passion rather than for money well i don't do it for money at all which is why when the foundation refused our funding i wasn't bothered and in many ways i'm kind of glad it got refused because <clears throat> to be political about it when you start receiving funding from an organization you kind of become subservient to them Mm-hmm. You've got to, you can't criticize them. Oh, you took um, money from us. Now you're criticizing us. You know, it becomes very political. And I had this discussion with Brendan uh, many months ago saying, I don't want Librarynomics to be part of the foundation because if, you know, you have a political dispute with library or the foundation, it can affect that. And I don't want mm-hmm. it to be affected. You know, like we found with library uh, social when there was um, a funding dispute that popped up. And then, well, I'm paying for this and you're you're not funding it. I'll take it down because, you know, why should I pay for something to advertise your business if you're mm. not funding it? So I took it down for 48 hours and everyone went ballistic. Oh, you've taken it down. <laughs> Which, yeah, fair enough. I should have discussed it with everyone first rather than pulling it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was never intended to go down permanently anyway. I just need to switch it on to a cheaper plan because it was costing me a lot of money. I had it on a very expensive server. So I just shifted it over i took i took um librarynomics onto its own um url and on a cheaper server which yeah. turned out to be a better server actually so it was good um and that went back up just after a day i think it was it was less than 48 hours anyway and then not long after that library social went back up which is kind of not a thing at the moment everyone went their own way <laughs> too much politics within library Mm, oh, there's there's definitely too much politics inside the library. There's there's way too much baggage with uh, a lot of the people who've been around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we're both very critical about library, but this is the problem. We are critical about library because we care about library. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. You'll find all the people that do the most stuff for library are the, also the most critical of library. And you'll find the people that are the most subservient and the most, you know, you know they suck up to the library people the most are the people that do the least you know and i think that's important for library to understand is that people aren't moaning about library because they're horrible people and they want to be a nuisance they're moaning about library because they care about it well yeah the reason why i'm like that's the reason why back when there was a lot of problems with the um the monetization system that one Back when that was going down like once a month or multiple times a month, I would be on um I would be on Tom's case about it the second it happens, because that mm. is not a good look for your company. 
if you yeah, want yeah. like businesses to like operate on library, you have to make sure the funding is working. Yeah. Or you've got things like and when the light of the, the thumbnail system were broken for like two months or whatever it was. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's critical that people do moan. And I, I ask people to moan about libraryonomics mm -hmm. and anything I do, I beg them to moan because it's their moaning that makes me make it better. Yeah. Like with the library um, social site, when it first started, it was this green color, it was library green. And it looked a bit weird. And um, Michael Hebo, MH, was like, nah, it looks like a Fisher-Price site, you know, change it. And I was like, it took him to tell me that for me to realize it. And then I realized that. Then I went and experimented with different colors and people liked the blue color. And now that that blue was became the color and everyone really liked it and it made it so much better. Mm -hmm. But without people moaning at me, I wouldn't have made that change. So fundamental, um, the fundamental part of making your product better is getting that criticism. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, expecting people to be nice with criticism is unrealistic. When people criticize, they usually do it in a fairly mean way because that's natural. When you're criticizing something, you say, oh, this looks rubbish. You don't say, you don't usually sit down and work out the best way to say it. Mm. You just want to say it, what comes naturally to a criticism. So what I think libraries should do is when they see people moaning, understand from that person's point of view, they're not trying to be horrible. They're not a nasty person. They're concerned. And it's just a very quick way to express your concern mm -hmm. if well, that makes any sense speaking of other things about library that i'm critical of uh the new lbc logo <laughs> oh, what were they thinking like i i really like the design of odyssey odyssey looks absolutely amazing that lbc logo though let's see if we can find it um it's a fun logo. You know, it's something like it looks quite artistic, but it has no representation to library credits at all. Mm -hmm. It's no, got I'm a just big old library credits logo. It's got a, a, a Z or an S in it, you know, mm -hmm. lightning strike right down the middle. It's going to be on the. They, sh they really need to um, update their um, brand package. Because it's it's a pain to find the brand content for this platform as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not going to strike What's that on, design fully. It's, it's a nice look. It's just not appropriate for library coin. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There we go. It would be great to have something else. I just don't think it should be for the for the library credits. It doesn't make any sense. There we go. So something that was pointed out to me when I had Alloys on the show is that it's not symmetrical either. Yeah, that's really important. You've got to make, when you're advertising your product, it's always going to be in social media. And mm. social media, uh, the area you have to display your logo is mm -hmm. often circular. So you've always got to make sure that your logo fits in a circular boundary. Mm -hmm. Not, I can't remember what this logo looks like in its dimensions. Let me just load up Odyssey now. Odyssey. Like Does it, it fit in? There's nothing like there's nothing about this that even really says library. Like these two like things on the sides, they're like bees, like the the orange thing and the blue thing. They're bees or something. I don't. Bees with a Z in the middle or an S in the middle. Yeah. 
Oh, saying my site, saying the site can't be reached. Have I spelled that wrong? Well, I know there were some yeah. designs that I think was it you that posted them on the library nomics Discord, or was it Brendan? One of you guys posted some designs that you guys had in the past, mm. and Dory's at least had some of the library character there. Yeah, yeah, that was my design. Mm, okay, um, yeah. Basically, I what I did is I, I was thinking about what is library or library credits it's based on the blockchain so i started off with a block mm -hmm. then i cut a three-dimensional block and then i cut the block into segments which made three l's mm -hmm. so it made a kind of like nice triangle of three l's in a block shape so the l's were library mm -hmm. library credits and liberty mm -hmm. and now we can extend that and we can have library credits library tv uh library app Liberty, all the L's were there. So it had multiple reasons. It was blockchain and it was um, what the L's stand for. So mm -hmm. it had meaning behind it. It's important to have meaning behind your logo. It's a good talk, talking point as well, good for marketing. Yeah. Um, and I put it I put it on a back, circular background, 2D background, which was to represent a coin. Mm -hmm. um, and that was only my initial design. I could have improved on it more. I think it could have been a bit thicker and I think the background could have been a better colour and this kind of stuff but that was just the original design but uh yeah i like that design i preferred it than <coughs> excuse me i preferred it than the um i liked um the b design that they did the lbc i mm -hmm. i did like but it wasn't appropriate mm -hmm. you know you know the one that won the competition uh no i don't it was the green b i can see if i, I can get my brush i think i'm i'm recalling something um, if I'm thinking of the right one, it basically didn't make sense as a logo to, or as a logo for like a a project like this. Well, it it kind of had meaning behind it, but I, I'll go for. I'm just gonna send you the image now. I'm just waiting but for it to load up. With the the, the current. Got... Oh, sorry. Uh, one second. <laughs> Multi uh, multi I lock up when I multitask. Yeah, okay. With, while you're doing that, I was going to say, um, with the current... Like, okay, cool. With the uh, the current LBC logo, it's sort of like if you just... Um, imagine like a... Something like Twitch. Uh, just as a gaming mm. a gaming streaming platform. And they have like some sort of currency in that platform that you can donate to streamers. That's mm. sort of what I think of when I look at this logo. Hmm. The new one. Yeah, the new one. Ah, oh, yeah, yes, this one. Serious. Yeah, it doesn't look very serious. And this one. So when um, Duzan first pu uh, published it, he published it, you know, in the in the Illustrator view with all the, you know, um, lines of you get an Illustrator you designed you basically. So it made it look fancy like that. And I think that's what swung it to win the competition. But there's no real thought about where it's going to be mm -hmm. put into this. So here are the problems with this design. It's not going to fit in your box mm. or your circular um, social media or any type of area it needs to be, especially when it's a small kind of icon size. It's, it's difficult to see. Secondly, it looks like a B. So when people see this, they see a B. Yeah, it's got a, a kind of abstract view of an LBC in there. But unless you know it's there, you're not going to see it. Can you see it? <laughs> I can see. I guess so the, the L is that supposed is to be the, the line on the left? Yeah, the B is the whole thing. Sure. And the C is the, the cutout, um, cutout yeah. in the middle. 
So unless you know it's there, you're not going to know it's that. People looking at that are just going to think it's a B, and they're going to think, hang on, why is this LBC? Mm-hmm. You know, it looks more like Bitcoin or something like that. So there's those two problems. It's a nice design. I like um, the design of it. I like the cleverness of it, but it wasn't practical for what it was to serve. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for the current one as well. Well, the current one at least makes sense in like the circular format. At least you can use it for that task. It just doesn't yeah. have anything that says LBC about it. Yeah, so I'm just loading that up now. Yeah, so yeah, it does fit in. But like you say, it just it looks like, I don't know, an art app icon mm. or something. You know, you download it off the Apple Store, some sort of app for making some sort of collage or something like that. It doesn't look like LBC. Mm-hmm. I can see maybe the thinking they were going for here. It's a bit Odyssey looking, you know, with this crazy graphic design mentality Mm -hmm. um more playful and there are some uh kind of crazy crypto logos looking a little bit like this but it just doesn't quite cut it Mm -hmm. do i prefer it over the low library logo probably oh the old logo was terrible for marketing (laughs) it did have you tried putting it on a black background yeah you can't see it at all i know unless you change the color mm-hmm. um, and it's like a rectangle shape. So it's really hard to fit it in those boxes. And, and the lines looks... are very thin. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely needed to be thicker. I did have a play around with it a couple of years ago to try and make it look good in a box area, but then it didn't look quite right. The mm-hmm. kind of like the 3d look of it was out of proportion. So it was really difficult to get looking right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I don't want to be too critical because you've got to think library isn't a design company. They make, you know, they the computer programmers who make programs. So I think they did well mm-hmm. um without having those skills. I think they did better than some companies might have done. And it's good to see now that they've got the graphic designers in. Um yeah, that's not very that that's very evident from what they've done with Odyssey recently. And it's a criticism I had from day one. I said, you got to, don't, de- developers shouldn't be trying to design. Let developers de- develop, get designers into design. I've been saying it since day one. Mm-hmm. But I think Julian was the one that pushed that idea. Get the develop, get the designers into the, the designing, not the developers. Yeah. And I think the library can be quite stubborn with, you know, the way they think. No, mm-hmm. we'll do it, we'll do it. Um, but it's good to see, finally... It's getting more like it should be in terms of graphic appearance. Well, before we end off, because I actually have to go in like 20 minutes, um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Libra, on on Odyssey at this point? Because I'm actually really liking the platform, although the website, I guess. Yeah, I like it because I'm more of a graphics person. You know, that's my area is Mm -hmm. graphics. but not just graphics, but graphic psychology is the area that, you know, I specialize in because I've studied psychology and graphics. And this really works from that point of view. It's not perfect, but it's really working. You know, it's striking mm-hmm. those you know, those points that you need to strike in order to get people interested. From a more technical point of view, it's a bit annoying at the moment, but it's a work in process because I can't do certain things that I wanted to do. Now, the reasoning they said is that they want to make it simple for people to use it without being overwhelmed but there are things missing off it which i think they should have had with it you know like being able to see who's done the reposts 
Mm-hmm. When someone shares your stuff, it's nice to be able to think he's shared it. That's gone. So I don't know whether that's just a technical limitation at the moment, and that's why it's gone, or whether that's going to be a permanent thing. Also, the the homepage is it's random stuff that pretty much I have no interest in. Yeah, you top. have to scroll down before you even get to see your following. So they're probably thinking, well, this is what our general user wants to see. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's curated, you know. They're trying to, you know, make it be appealing. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but I think there should be some sort of customization too, based on <laughs> my uh, my shock mount's basically broken. So if I touch it, it falls apart. There we go. Right. Yes, um, but overall, it's a big improvement. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say it's it's a big change. It's just those important places have changed. Well, and library TV following the suit. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things they could do with the um, advanced features is just have a like a setting in your settings menu that says activate advanced or activate power user mode or something something like that. And then you can yeah, bring yeah. back those show the reposts mm-hmm. and the LBC count under a video and things like that. 100% and that's what a lot of us have been saying have an advanced mode bring in all those features that would be absolutely fantastic I hope they do do that that would be absolutely brilliant one other thing um, I really <laughs> hope they do uh, yes no no you continue oh, one other thing I hope they do is that either all of these features come to the library app or we get an Odyssey desktop app because I'm getting really annoyed with having to come to the Odyssey website just to check my notifications yeah that same here now, I'm actually writing a browser plugin at the moment um, that solves this issue. Let me Ooh. see if I can send you a screenshot of it. Do, do, do. Let me send a screenshot. One second. Well, it kind of doesn't quite solve that problem at the moment. But mm-hmm. um, oh, it's breaking down. Let's wait for my computer to respond. There we go. Um, so the problem. I had was that I wanted to view everything in, say, library TV or the other way around. And it would always be, there'd be multiple links. Like if I'm on this page, it's linking to Odyssey, or I'm in this page, it's linking to um, library TV. What if I want it always to open in the chosen um, uh, website or application? So the plugin I'm making at the moment lets you decide what you want your default place for it to open in is going to be. If you select library app, every link you click, it's going to search your web page. And if it finds a library TV or Odyssey link, it's going to open it up in the app. If you select it to be Odyssey and it looks at the page and finds a library TV link, it's going to change that to an Odyssey link. So you can select what your default app is going to be. It's not quite what you were saying, but that's going to be a bit better for keeping everything standardized. I know this has been a complaint for a very long time because people would... Like if you click on a library TV link in the desktop app, it will take you to the website, even though you're in mm. the desktop app right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like you're having, like if I want to check my likes, keep going, keep going to Odyssey, and now to check reposts, I've got to go into the apps, and I've got to have the app open, library TV, and Odyssey, mm-hmm. which is a pain on the backside. So, but I think it's a work in progress. I don't think that's going to be something that they're going to keep like that. I just think it's the way it's developing at the moment, hopefully. Um, but yeah, with this plugin, mm-hmm. this 
this is something I really want to concentrate on, but I've got so many other things in the way at the moment. I'm going to do that switcher thing. It's also going to have libraryomics built in so that when you're on a, a library um, video mm-hmm. or content, it's going to automatically recognize that in your URL and do a search for that and bring back all the statistics for that URL. Okay. Um, it's also going to have um, a nice integrated graph, which is actually already in the plugin, but you can't see it because I've not linked it properly in the um, in the plugins background JavaScript. It's not linked properly, so it's not displaying. But there's a little green graph that shows the library coin price. Hmm. So it's going to have all of that in. I'm going to make it um, so you've got a selection there, so you can uh, choose to hide or show those each individual sections. And I'll probably move the switcher to a settings area rather mm-hmm. than having it always as a setting. But that's one that's in there without having to go to the um, settings. You know, with a plugin, you've got to go into a special settings area yeah, in yeah. Chrome. I'm going to actually have the setting embedded into the actual drop-down pop-up. Okay. But in a tab section, a bit like on Libionomics tabs. Mm-hmm. So you can just click on the tab section and say, oh, I want to change it to library app now rather than library TV. Uh, and then it's going to show you, always show you which one you've defaulted to, so you know. Yeah, so that's cool. That actually does sound pretty yeah. awesome. Hmm. Um, yeah, and before we go, foundation. We've got to talk about the foundation. <laughs> yeah, I did see the clip you sent me where Squid forgot what the CEO's name was. <laughs> and then gives some like really weird explanation about how he does not remember human names or something which i yeah i was like what are, what are you saying just be like oh sorry i f- i forgot your name like that i forget people's names all the time like that's that's all good but what was that what was that explanation i know yeah it's crazy well we just called jeremy jeffrey from now on that was oh yeah <laughs> if, if yeah most people probably haven't seen the clip basically because no one watches the library foundation podcast um i double their views anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> he, he called the CEO of library Jeremy Kaufman. He called him Jeffrey. In a live podcast with Jeffrey. While his Jeremy. name was on the screen because they were in a live podcast. Or they were in a call together. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You've <clears throat> got to see the comedy side of it. I'm, I'm not going to... Oh, it's definitely funny. Me. Yeah, it's really funny. There's been a lot of things like that in the library um, foundation podcast. It's It's quite crazy. I actually think that podcast is so pointless. It's it's just full of most of the time. It's just full of nonsense. It really is. Well, I actually I, haven't I watched a single episode of it. Like, what do you, what do they even do in it? They just joke around, basically. It's a bit like this, mm. and and that's great. You know, if if you mess around, that's really good. But people go to that podcast because they want to know about library and the foundation. But usually, it's just all, you know messing about and silly. Seventy people. Yeah, yeah. Seventy-eight. Oh, I think it was eighty-two when I clicked on it. Actually, yeah, and they're boosting the numbers with um, library supports, but um, you can see from the interactions and the comments, it's not got a great view on it. Mm-hmm. The same. You know, if you really structure your podcast and you've got something to say, then you, it can be a good thing. But you've got to do it from a an organizational point of view. You can't just go and there's like a bunch of kids laughing and joking that's not what it's about you're going to put people off it and potentially harm the brand brand they've got to make the podcast more sensible less joking around and messing about have structure to it have topics um to talk about which are library related Mm -hmm. and get you know 
good guests on instead of just listening to Dringo. Because I think that's what it is. I think it's the Dringo show. Oh, well, there's also that, how he... Uh, Dringo, isn't he the... What's his position? What does he get paid to do besides sit in Discord? $35 an hour. What's his official to... title? He's the director of the board, something mm-hmm. director of the library board, or library foundation board. Mm-hmm. And so, doesn't mention it in his Twitter account at all. Well, or... his Twitter account is very interesting, and it's a, it's a point I've made about Dringo from, for quite a while now. He doesn't seem interested in library at all. In the um, foundation server, Discord server, he's hardly in there. When he is in there, he's just basically promoting his podcast. He's not really doing anything. Then when people point this out, he's saying, oh, there's lots of things going on behind the scenes. And it's taking him like a year to write something for the uh, foundation website, you know, some rules and stuff. It's taken a good year to do that. Everything he's done, you could do in a day. Mm-hmm. But he's getting paid $35 an hour. It's crazy. Now, I don't mind people getting paid, even getting paid over the top. I don't I don't mind that. But um, it's not really a good thing because it's going to make other people annoyed, you know. It's going to make people envious. It's going to make people feel not appreciated. So there's a psychological effect of doing that. There's some people that do so much work and for the found, well, for library, not necessarily the foundation, and they get nothing, nothing at all. They don't even get recognised. And you get Dringo, who's pretty much nothing to do with library. He doesn't. He can't code. He pretty much all he does is post a message in the server every so often, and talk about library bit on his podcast that's the extent of it mm-hmm. and got all this recognition he's got the foundation board member i don't even think he was voted in we'll get into that in a second um and he's getting paid 35 dollars an hour mm-hmm. i think it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous um yeah so the vote mm-hmm. now at the time the vote does seem to be a bit it, of a joke with library with uh, library foundation they just sort of do whatever they want they make up the rules as they go well, the first vote was won by Kana. Kana's mm-hmm. great. I like Kana. He's really good. You know, he's sensible and um, more. he's got a more professional attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he won the vote, but then they said, oh, the vote wasn't right. We've got to run it again. So they ran it again. And I studied the results and I found um, that the vote wasn't a fair vote. There was. It's going back a year now, so I can't remember exactly, but I presented the evidence to the library that showed that Dringo didn't actually win um, or that if it was a... a the vote was technically incorrect and that therefore you couldn't decide a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reply I got back after presenting the evidence, um, which I did in detail, they said, oh, we'll know for next time. So I'm wondering whether there was this vote was tampered with purposely mm-hmm. to kind of like direct the vote into the, you know, where they wanted it or whether it was an honest mistake, because I really don't know. But they should have done a re-vote. For it to be fair, um, so the 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 reason that Dringo was in a close position to the top anyway was my fault. When Dringo first joined the community last mm-hmm. year, well, I think this year, last year, I can't remember now. Um, I was pivotal. I can't say this word. Pivotal. Pivotal. <laughs> word. You're adding an extra syllable in there. <laughs> oh dear! I was pivotal in um getting him voted i i I thought well look he said he's written the gridcoin white paper he seems pleasant yeah he's not doing much but you know he's got these credentials behind him this will be a good look Mm -hmm. and i want 
and at the time we had people running to be on the board who were really like you just do not want those people on the board because they were we don't need to go into that we know who we're talking about here you know we don't want those type of people on the board it would have been devastating and mm-hmm. dringo was one of and canna and a, and maybe one or two more were were good for the position mm-hmm. so i said i sent everyone a dm a direct message um saying vote for dringo he wrote the grid coin white paper so i influenced the amount of votes he got so I kind of feel responsible for Dringo, even though the vote wasn't fair, mm-hmm. it put him close enough to be able to win that vote, even though it wasn't fair. And I think that's my fault. So when he gets voted in, he changes. He went from someone who seemed quite reasonable and pleasant, albeit quiet, mm-hmm. into becoming the biggest monster the community has ever seen. He just suddenly, sw- like, I, I started getting these messages saying we need to talk we need to talk and uh, michael got the same as well so i was like okay so uh, uh, we messaged each other or he messaged me and he was like i want to know what's going on you know in this really dictatorial voice and i was like like i knew straight away that he, that he was gunning for trouble and he was like talking to me like some sort like i was some sort of pleb and he was some sort of emperor and it was just so irritating. You know, this person that's come out of nowhere, knows nothing about library, suddenly comes in with this kind of like really bad attitude and starts attacking, you know, the main members of the community have done so much for library. It was just, oh, I just wanted to slap him. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, this guy, what's he on? What's he on? Anyway, so um, I politely gave him some of his own medicine in the message back to him, said basically f off i didn't obviously i did it in a polite way um he's obviously got small man syndrome well obviously he's probably listening to this but if you if you if you be like that you've got to expect the criticism i was very disappointed because i was hoping it was going to be someone good for the community but he's basically driven the community into the ground uh Pefe- desi professor who's an actual professor came to the community and was really nice mm-hmm. and he was greeted Dringo message saying, if you don't behave yourself, you'll be met with consequences. You know, things like this. <laughs> Got rid of Michael's roles. Basically put him off being part of the community. So then Michael ended up leaving. Travis, who's absolutely great. I love Travis. Brilliant. Yeah, the um, the uh, emoji. The emoji back. scandal. That was dumb. You know, yeah, it was silly. Um, but it's funny, silly. You know, it's not hmm. something you get uptight about it. you laugh about it go, oh, that's funny you don't kick someone you don't ban someone for leaving emojis especially it was a 24 hour yeah. suspension <laughs> well that's what it developed into when everyone kicked off it started mm-hmm. off as a bomb and it turned into that they kept changing it to try and you know oh my god yeah travis travis i don't know if you've listened to him in podcast before he's such i've, a, I've chatted um, to him before yeah, he's he's very intelligent. He's a very good people's person. He's mm-hmm. good at, you know, he would make a really good leader. He's bubbly. He's talkative. He's the type of person that I could see as being a board member in the foundation. Makes great videos. People are drawn to him. Everyone really likes him. Mm-hmm. This is not the type of person you want to ban out of your community over something so petty. This was Dringo trying to exercise power. Dringo tends to be targeting people he feels threatened by. 
I won't go into the specifics, but I think it's pretty obvious. And he's just been disastrous for the foundation. The fact the foundation, the community already had problems. Dringo came in uh, and I call him the useful idiot because I don't think it all his making. I think there is a hidden hand directing him. And I know this because he was paraphrasing a certain person in his rude messages that he sent me. So I know exactly who the hidden hand is. And he was basically sent in on a mission. I will go into more detail privately about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got about three minutes till I have to go make some dinner and get ready for work. So I think we will wrap it up there. Um, yeah. Where can people... Actually, what do, you, what, do you want to, what do you want to promote? What do I want to promote? Um, Librarynomics. Mm-hmm. Now, we've not done much marketing for Librarynomics. So at the moment... We're doing quite well on the website. We can get up to 4,000 a month visitors, which isn't bad at all. But it's not the next level we want to get it to because I'm more of a designer, marketer, graphics type person, but I'm too busy doing the coding. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to know is to get more people to help me with the coding so I can do more of the marketing graphics. Um, we've got um, Ajos, I don't know how you say his name. Uh, Alois. We had a bit of, yeah, we I love the work that he does with, <clears throat> choking again, I love the work he does with library lytics. Um, so he's, he was part of the Librarynomics team for a short while, had a slight dispute, nothing personal or anything like that. We just, um, he was teaming up with people that could affect our brand and it, mm-hmm. no, offense, uh, no uh, offense to him, he didn't know. Um, so we just kind of like ended the relationship temporarily but we'll probably get that back online but it wasn't a relationship that was postponed for any other reason than damage control just in case and i mm-hmm. said to him that it was nothing permanent it's just we just wanted to analyze the situation first and i explained the reasons why and uh, he's come back recently and we might be sorting something out it'd like it'd be good to get those two things um linked in because what he does and what we do i think they bounce off each other you know, yeah. they, they work well together. And he's got some really good ideas. He's good on the coding side. And it'd be great for him to take over some of that coding stuff so I can center on the marketing and graphics. Mm-hmm. I'd like to promote that and com- more community involvement with it, you know, because people keep saying put it on uh, GitHub. I, I really hate GitHub. And I, you know, I think people wanting it on there want it so they can basically branch it off into their own projects rather than helping out with this project. I know I can put a license on there, but mm-hmm. the people asking for GitHub don't haven't seemed honest to me. Um, so it's kind of like a you know a pet project at the moment, but we do want people helping out and taking it to the next level. So that's the thing I want to promote: more community involvement in it. Also, if anyone is invo- uh, interested in actually chatting to you about getting involved with it. Uh, go check out the Librarynomics Discord. I'll leave a link to that one down below. Uh, yep. Yeah, so we kind of got to wrap it up now. So is that, that all you got? Or Yeah, how long did we go for? I have no idea. Two hours and 14 minutes. But before we go, I'll just uh, mention my, uh, my supporters. So uh, thank you guys for watching. It's I've actually enjoyed this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, but before we go, I would like to thank my supporters. So a special thank you to Joachim, Corbinian, Andrew, Craig, Nathan, Monster, Chico Bento, Joseph, Peter, Lee, Road, Tony, Brennan, Donald, John, Marek, Mikhail, Nate, Dog, Nephite, Tease, and Zilver. 
Uh, if you want to go support my work, the links down below to my Patreon, LibrePay, Subscribestar, that sort of stuff. Uh, this podcast is available on YouTube if you're watching the audio version and the audio version, or and I guess Library and Odyssey as well, and the audio version available on other platforms. Um, yeah, I think you can listen to the audio version basically anywhere. Uh, and my main channel, Brody Robertson, go check it out if you want more structured content than this. Cool. And final note. A big thank you to Brendan for his half Librarynomics. He what he does, people don't see the work he puts in. He puts so much in, it's absolutely amazing. Big shout out to Library. We love Library's work, and yep. um, we think what they do is absolutely brilliant. The best team around, especially you know Tom. I know there's other people behind the scenes doing technical work, but Tom's also in the community. He's absolutely brilliant. He's mm-hmm. just had a baby girl, so congratulations on his baby girl. Um, apologies for any conspiracies i hate conspiracy theories and i wanted to put some evidence into ones that may be floating around because mm-hmm. i'm an evidence person and apologies for too much coffee which kind of <laughs> broke me down it's wearing off now so now i'm getting more normal but um but there we go maybe we'll do another one sometime maybe we'll and maybe you'll show up on time this time oh my god I'm dyslexic, by the way, and that's one of the worst things is timekeeping. Dyslexic people all over the place with timekeeping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think we'll end it there. I'll, I'll sign it off. How do you want to sign it off? That's it. It's, all right. it's already signed off. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for watching. See you later.